welcome to 372 pages. We'll never get back. This is Connor Lestoka, joined by Mike Nelson, as we read yet another bad book, The, the Adventures of the Teen Archaeologists in the Land of the Mopec, book one, I think, by Larry and Denise Ellis. <laughs> yes, when I first, um, uh, I actually my, I autocorrect when I loaded it into our first episode or something that we did online, and I had the teen architects. Yes. And I was like, that's not a bad idea either. I mean, <laughs> and then I put it a couple places because it kept autocorrecting because I didn't want to spell it. That would really change and, a uh, lot. So. That would change a lot. It wouldn't be, it's not a bad idea. I don't. I think it might be a little above Larry and Denise. I don't know if yeah. there's a good, like an archetype, if you'll excuse the word, that they would copy then to, to make a True. teen architect <laughs> move. Book. I'm thinking of putting in some dormers on my palace, said King <laughs> yes. Voraltrar, who was 28 years old. He had six roof lines, meaning he was very rich. The roof lines' names were. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this book is yeah written by the authors of Antigua, and it is uh, everything that we hoped it would be. But before we dive into it, we do have some, every now and then, a, uh, a listener turns to us for advice. And this is always exciting. Um you know, because we get, you know, every time we like open the doors to for a Q&A, people are like, when are you going to do this book? Or like, when are you going to, you know, how come you don't do this movie? It's like, well, that's not really a question. That's just sort of a uh, a demand, really. But It's a this, complaint that uh, in the form of a question. Yeah, or, or you know, uh, something like, uh, how come in, in, the, in this movie you didn't acknowledge that, like, uh, this guy was in Teen Wolf 2? And it's like, that's also not really a, a question. <laughs> um, I'm just airing grievances now. But yes, this one is clearly. from uh, Matt, who is a loyal jackal who needs some advice. He said, greetings, Mike and Connor. I've been listening to your podcast the past year and I've almost caught up to present day Denise and Drunk Larry. So I guess not super loyal. He's only been listening for a year. But if he's mainlining them in that span, he's, he's probably yeah, remembers these books more than we do. He said, one of you remarked a while back that your loyal jackals needed to step it up with tattoos. And I think I've finally found the right candidate. I, I vaguely remember this. We were, I was airing more grievances that our, our <laughs> listeners are, are great. They just don't go out and get tattoos of anything, like the right. podcast logo. Or, and so I'm going to send you the picture that he sent me of his – this is what Matt's considering getting a tattoo of. And we'll post it for people to, to see as well. It's Joe Rogan. I don't <laughs> think that's a good <laughs> it's oh, it wow. in Al Hirschfeld style. So, wow. The kite. The evil bird kite. The evil bird kite. From Lair of the White Worm. He says, uh, should I go through with this illustration of the dreaded kite from Lair of the White Worm? It could give go above my lackluster armband tattoo from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> he says, my, ad, my ad, wife is adamant with her hell no, but I'm curious to your feedback. And I told him we'll review this uh, online. And I told him you would weigh in and he'd have to abide by your decision. And he says, fantastic. I will certainly abide by the Mad Dog's advice. If it sweetens the deal, consider this is the artwork from the original printing. And then he told us wow. his, his nickname is Maddie B-Sides. I don't know what that has to do with anything. But I, I think he's he's going to do whatever we say. So, Well, yeah. And you're putting that on me? <laughs> I mean, I said. <laughs> Looking at this thing. I said absolutely. Yeah, so describe it for people. Well, I thought maybe that uh, he had drawn this himself. <laughs> and that he was 11? Uh, it, uh, it's, it's not a very sophisticated drawing. I don't know what it, the style of it is, but it does have uh, some piercing eyes mm. and sort of a, a, 
a beak that kind of you know it looks like the bird the bird kite is just printed on it and you know it's right there's no 3d texture to it it's just printed on the <laughs> the kite and then uh, yeah one of those ones you get from amazon and you realize oh that was a that was a computer rendering of the young boy flying it this is just a, they had no effort putting into making it look <laughs> actually 3d here yes it's like the um when i was a kid in the back of comic books uh, you could get a six foot plastic frankenstein for right. you know 99 cents or, or a submarine yeah <laughs> and it was it was of course a uh, plastic poster that could barely <laughs> hang together for a day <laughs> Uh, that's what this looks like. Like you ordered it from the back of a comic book. The drawings of the string, I don't... And then the kind of the mess of the tail of the kite. Those are the messages sent up it, I believe. Yes. Um, and it's but, red, too, importantly. Yeah, it looks like the the messages got caught because there's some sort of filigree. There's The string <laughs> is frayed or there's something going on there. And then there's the background is, is sort of a patchy gray background. So... What I'm saying is, I don't think this is going to translate well to a tattoo. It does sort of look like when you see someone who's like, who got a tattoo fail, and then it comes across, and they're like, here's what I brought into the artist, who sure. I didn't do a lot of research on, and here's what they gave me. But this, here's, this is... This here's is a like, picture of my adorable child. Here's the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, is that a goblin? I don't... <laughs> but I think you could have it. It would certainly be a conversation starter, because it does have... It, it has sort of a... You could look at it and be like, whoa, is that some sort of you know, ancient thing. Is that what, what, you know, what, what culture does this come from? Uh, people might ask you like, what, what's the significance of this? And you'd have quite a story to tell them. They might get up and leave sure. after you tell them the story. But. but that takes a lot of, um, uh, you know, like we like to do our, our fake, uh, sketches that we're going to do. It would be like that. Okay. I got to back up a little bit. Here. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's this book and these old guys. Why yeah, did you read uh, this book? <laughs> well, well uh, yeah. so there's just a lot of throat clearing before you get to the what the hell is that tattoo? Um, uh, it's kind of like I have a, uh, I have a, a fake. It's not a fake. It, it was made by a guy, but it looks like a really expensive watch. Mm-hmm. And the first time a guy came up to me, he's like, hey, is that a, you know, this brand of watch and i go well it's not but this guy made it for me from the original you know molds and anyway it's a cheap watch but uh that guy's like "Uh uh-huh i have no time for that and he walked away (laughs) so now when people compliment my watch i go oh is that i just go yes it is (laughs) so i don't know what this person would do uh is that some ancient uh you know uh native american symbol yes it is yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm sorry, since I am the judge, I'm going to side with, did he say his wife? Yes. I believe? I'm going to side with, with her. Wow. And give this the thumbs down. Wow. Probably I, the responsible thing to do. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I mean, I wish if it were something goofier, I just feel like that the picture's not distinct enough and, <laughs> and he'd have so much explaining. It'd make his life more complicated. So it I'm going to say. Would. All right. Well, we'll post it in the comments. People could weigh in as well. And maybe this will inspire other people to, you know, get their own custom designs as a tattoo or, you know, go out and get this to spite you. So we'll see. We'll see what okay. happens. It's with great <laughs> podcasting power comes great irresponsibility. And yes, indeed. maybe in these next, uh, I think we covered five chapters of the teen architects, teen archaeologists today. <laughs> see? It's maybe funny. there'll be some tattoo material. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Um, this journey so far, last time we only covered two chapters, but they were very long ones. And 
to, to catch everybody up, there are three British teens who went to uh, Nigeria with their wealthy parents who are both Indiana Jones type explorers. They've been in a lot of pyramids and they uh, wandered off with two uh, other teens they met in Nigeria because one of those teens grandfathers I'm going to say teens a lot. It's, it's still very uh, off-putting every time you read it in the book, but they wandered off because their grandfather had a treasure map to the land of the Mopek. They traversed uh, most of the continent of, of Africa in uh, a day and a half, I think, before they leaped uh, into the Nile River and ended up they, in this pyramid. Yes, they leapt into the Nile and, and traveled the Nile until they got to the bottom of the Nile. So. <laughs> and then once inside, they—well, uh, the, the land of the Mopek is underground, obviously. Uh, they've met a lot of people there, including the royal family, the king, queen, prince, and princess, uh, lots of maidens— other uh, training warriors, and then an evil princess. Uh, sorry, an evil magician, uh, sorceress, I guess. And uh, they've, that's sort of where we have ended up. The two of the teens bicker with each other. That's really the only personality we've get. And there's been a lot of characters, and there's going to be a lot more this time around. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> there's a, a lot of yelling too. True. So. Yes, there's some yelling coming up. <laughs> Uh, but so chapter three, I think it begins with some good stuff right off the bat. Oh, it has, so good. <laughs> the first sentence is, in one of the Mopec training schools, there were five teens that were determined to one day make it into one of the Mopec warrior training sessions once they reached 21 years of age. And it just is the pathological need to tell everybody uh, how old these characters are and how old they're going to be when they do something else that these authors have. That I think is just a way to maintain interest of their of their hypothetical audience, this fictional audience that these books were one day going to get. Yes, and it, it took me a second to, because, you know, these readings were a little bit apart. I, I didn't really remember. You know, it's madness and mm-hmm. obviously the names. And this starts... In media res with none of our main characters around, correct? <laughs> yeah. That was very baffling for me because I'm like, who, wait, who's this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, right away, I was laughing with the, the pros. Here we go. <laughs> he reached his hand down to help his friend Donovan, who had lost his balance and fell up off the ground. There's a, there's a comma there, but that doesn't really help the... It <laughs> doesn't really help much. Up off the ground, yes. Fell up. Fell, fell up, up off the ground. So there you go. And when he does that, uh, Donovan is too angry and embarrassed to accept Sean's help. And Sean is not to be confused with Prince Ray Sean or the maiden Roshana either. Sean. Lots, yeah. lot strong Sean vibes in this book. There was also a Sean in Antigua who fell over a wheelbarrow. We'll get to Barrel, that later. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he, Donovan said, I can get up myself, Sean. Back up. And then Sean said, as you wish, and he said it with my favorite adverb in all of literature, Stephen King will rethink his position on adverbs because Sean said it non-caringly. <laughs> That's, uh, that one gets a little workout, too. It's no sarcastically, but it does. Uh, it puts in some hard work. <laughs> and if you'll remember, it did turn up in uh, Antigua. I have some of the examples of it used there. Glendra had Bubo Gorilla in her arms. <laughs> She looked at Rebecca and said non-caringly, oh, it's a little human girl. <laughs> we, also, <laughs> we also had, I didn't, I didn't realize there were rebels in Antigua, but the rebel Schwartz said non-caringly, oh, well, that doesn't really matter. I don't reckon that there are any dragons flying around wild widows for her to ride anyway. Um, 
So I, I looked it up just to make sure, you know, you make fun of these things. I wanted to make sure that wasn't something people use. There was like 267 uses of non-caringly on Google. And some of them were in like, there's one fan fiction written about Ron Weasley. So I don't think that's someone who's, <laughs> okay. you know, studying their Chicago manual of style to make sure that it's a, a, a appropriate use. <laughs> wow. Um, so wait a minute. There were, were there rebels in the woods in Antigua? Ah, I, I, I didn't look up what the rebels were doing. I, they, they must have been in the woods. I think most of it took place in some sort of forest. Where, where are Larry and Denise getting this? What is this rebel thing coming from? <laughs> um, but this is, okay, this is the first time it happens. And it's, I had, I had forgotten this. I guess if I had just had a better memory. I have a terrible memory. Like I said, I wipe things out because, you know, on to the next thing. Um, if I'd remembered, I would have not been quite as amused by this. Donovan, Sean, Shazar, Cody, and Shamar got together to talk. <laughs> Edith and Victoria walked up to them. <laughs> All brand new names. <laughs> Never before used. <laughs> oh, and we just, then it, of course, then they shovel it on, you know, then it's like a coal train after that. But I just didn't, I had forgotten that. So I just started wiping my eyes with, <laughs> with laughter. Yeah, the, uh, the the characters do stack up. We, we'll, we, when we read emails, we'll read an email from someone who, who took, did some great work on these characters. Um, yes, I saw uh, there's a shared sheet of characters okay, they posted that I, I had to actually use because <laughs> I was very confused. Right, and that's the thing about this is that once you get shoveled all these characters, you stop realizing what is going to, you know, you, you don't know who's going to be important, who's later. And it, it comes out a complete surprise because someone can be mentioned like Shazar, and then uh, they'll, they'll be the person who ends up, you know, saving the whole world at the end of the book. And then, right. you know, Edith will come up and never be mentioned again. So, right. but uh, so the whole thing that happened in this uh, section so far was that the, the, the teacher is a guy named Aber, Aderbawale, Aberdawale, damn it, Aderbawale, and it says uh, he he was upset. It said the five teens ran over to the school as fast as they could. They didn't want to be late again. Their instructor yelled, "You're all late!" So so that wasn't working out well. But uh, Edith, when she ran up to these other other students, said, "I think the master is. I think the master instructor is pleased with our progress in the class so far." Edith said, and Edith. Just might not have been paying attention because this is what the master instructor said, who she thought was pleased. I have watched all of your progress up until this point, and I have to say I'm extremely disappointed. I can't believe what I've seen today. From what I've seen today, none of you are worthy of becoming Mopec warriors. I won't be able to recommend any of you if I don't see great improvement. So Edith is, uh, Edith is uh, you know, accentuating the positive from those unambiguous statements of disappointment and, and contempt. This is one of those where it's like, are you really going to make it this hard on me? Because I don't understand. This is obviously missing a word or something. <laughs> I don't think the master is... It's 180 degrees from what just happened. So I'm like, what? what is happening? And so here, it, here's how it goes on from there. This is why I was confused. Okay. Edith walks up to them, says that. I think the, I think the master is uh, pleased with the progress of the class here. Uh, things are going well. Uh, don't beat yourself up about it, Shazar. Sean said... You're not the only one who lost the challenge. Donovan lost too. What? What? <laughs> uh, Edith walks up, says, I think everything's going well. And the response is, don't beat yourself up about it. Shazar, Sean said. Uh, uh, Sean and Donovan were the ones fighting. Yes, but what the hell? Is 
<laughs> I guess I, I I mean I guess rightfully everyone refuses to acknowledge Edith in any way, <laughs> right? Or what she said. So maybe I guess that makes sense. Yeah, there's always you know the person in your like high school group that's sort of like you know glomming on to your crew and you pay people to sort of pretend he's not part of a conversation. So just utterly ignore what she said and what continue did... a conversation that had been happening. I guess. Yeah, I but know. what did Shazar do? Shazar? I don't think Shazar was mentioned in in terms of uh, other than that sentence you read of Donovan, Sean, Shazar, and K- Kobe. That's I what I mean. I don't understand what's happening with <laughs> Shazar. I don't. It's just out of nowhere. Yes. yes. Well, it's probably going to be Shazar's last mention. Um, so it's it's sort of hard to get worked up about Shazar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, and then we get another sort of like head shaking noise um, involving Edith when uh, Sean is now fighting Donovan again. He refused his, you know, he non caringly refused his hand. But uh, the young men started fighting in the courtyard behind the school with twenty eight of their classmates watching. Everyone, everyone gathered around them and started cheering them on. Kobe, Shamar, Cesar, Edith, and Victoria were not cheering them on. <laughs> Which I think was part of a fanfic last time, but it's a great, uh, it's a, just the, the subset is, is, they're just not part of everyone is how that works. Uh, oh, the uh, instructor, by the way, he yells, uh, what is Ab, Adder, Adder Bawale. Adder Bawale uh, yells at them to stop the fighting. And he says, um, I will not have my students acting like rebels in the jungle. <laughs> he turns to the camera. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> They'll be important later, folks. Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, there is a lot. There's a decent amount of turning to the camera in this one, I think. <laughs> yes. Of uh, sort of breaking the fourth wall. Um, uh, so he sort of punishes them. Um, he says, in another book, you'd think this was like some sort of joke or something. We have to polish all the swords and shields in the school. Do you have any idea how many swords, swords and spears are in there? That's a lot of swords to polish, Kobe said. Um, I, <laughs> But I, I don't think they, they mean anything no. other than that. Uh, yeah. So the teens began polishing every sort. You know, you, they, <laughs> no, they don't they don't know what's going on here. No. Uh, and so, yeah, they they start the next morning. They are walking around and then they finally encountered who we thought were the main characters in this whole thing. Uh, the teens all stopped and looked at each other. And oh, can I read that? Because I, I yeah, love that. Please. At the exact moment, the teen archaeologist decided to take a morning stroll through the kingdom after breakfast was served. That exact moment. The Mopec teenagers ran into Billy, Thomas, Rebecca, Samira, Adam, and Atika. The teens all stopped and looked at each other. And and I'm like, why in other places do you give us a time period and nothing here? How long did they stand and look at each other? Yeah, it's a teen off. was there moving around, like sort of threatening looking, you know, snapping, like circling and teeth snapping? <laughs> I don't know. And then uh, this is a great thing. Is Billy, I think, is the uh, the oldest brother. But oh, no, Billy is the one who got slapped, correct? Oh, yes. Uh, so that Billy is, you know, he's a little bit on edge after the slapping. His <laughs> and, ear's still ringing. <laughs> but then uh, yeah, he has a, a funny response because Edith asked, who are you? And Billy, you know, panicking, I think cowering, we're not from the kingdom of the Mopec, Billy said, which doesn't really answer Edith's question here. <laughs> Just don't slap me, please, Mr. Gower. Oh, yes, and Edith just standing there. I wonder, did someone stare especially hard at Edith and she just didn't really? What 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 are you uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I still think we did really well on the lesson. I think uh, instructor Adder Bawale is really pleased. 
Uh, and so they do have a little uh, intimidation stare off. By the way, I I won't. We don't like to point out typos, but however, <laughs> this is a finished book. Yes. Do, do any of you know how to us a sword? <laughs> and then, then they all respond, "I do," and stuff. You know. So. Well, to to be fair, that that question was asked sarcastically. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but the two young men stared into each other's eyes in an attempt to intimidate each other. Okay. It didn't work. No. Oh. Okay. Well, moving on. Neither of them was intimidated by the other. <laughs> sort of covered in the previous sentence. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, some, there's a new technique in this one where they, the authors uh, sort of act like a sentence, um, you know, like, like time had passed between two sentences where they do something like that and inform you she was still holding the cat or something like that, even though it said in the previous sentence she picked up the cat. It's, it's, it's grade A stuff. We'll get to it later, but it happens a couple of times. Oh, so, so they do the thing of, so they set up a scene, but then have to, and then they panic and go, oh, do people know that he's still standing, you know, right behind him and they're over to the, you know, they yes. have to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. object permanence of the reader is a, yes. is a difficult thing for people. The water pitcher's still on the table. It's not going to be used or anything, but I just want you to know it's still there. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so Kobe says, don't feel bad visitors from the world above. Because, uh, uh, so uh, Sean and Billy did a little sword fight. And Sean, of course, kicked Billy's ass. Uh, but he says, all of us have been training to be Mopec warriors. There is no way you could have known that. If there was no way we could have known that, then why didn't you tell us? Thomas asked angrily. <laughs> I mean, we really just met and, you know, we started sword fighting within seconds. So there was not a lot of opportunity to, to do that because Billy, you know, said I've taken sword fighting lessons and was thought he was he was hot stuff. Also, I would just point out this becomes like, uh, you know, a 50s movie. We've done them many times where they go to a distant planet and it's, you know, wow, planet of only hot women. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And then, you know, Steve and Steve and Steve wander around and they're just treated like kings. Everyone's like, oh, Steve is here. Oh, hello, Steve. And hadn't they said in chapters one and two in this book that their presence there was, you know, the footsteps of doom like this. Our civilization is ruined now because yeah. you found us. Right. You can and never then leave. it's just like, so, you know, so check the place out kick the tires, have some breakfast, and we'll, just, we'll see you later. Yeah. So they just start wandering around. Like, they're literally, they're doomed. They are like, you know, they are uh, uh, blankets filled with bacteria that have never been introduced <laughs> right. to these people. Yeah. That wasn't specifically, you know, acknowledged, but it was also, if you leave, you're, you know, the people will come back here, you know, you and you'll, they'll, our way of life will be ruined. So um, even if you're not going to explicitly kill us, you can never leave. So you are, your, your way of life has ended. Uh, but they're just, yeah, they're sort of wandering around, you know, their thumbs in their pockets, like kicking, kicking rocks and stuff, um, feeling a little <laughs> bad about this whole thing. Uh, okay. but, <laughs> uh, but they, they, they fight a couple of these people. Uh, Billy sword fought Sean, but then yeah. we get some, some fairly great sports writing here. Like imagine this being like, uh, you know, Grantland Rice or um, George Plimpton, uh, Thomas Boswell. Uh, this is Billy who is wrestling Donovan, so not Sean this time. Billy was on the wrestling team at his high school. He had grit technique and the upper body strength to be a challenge to Donovan. But Donovan was studying to be a Mopec warrior and was just a little bit better at wrestling than Billy was. Donovan had better strength and stamina than Billy did because of all his Mopec training. 
Donovan won the wrestling challenge and was able to pin Billy down to the mat. <laughs> so that is uh, an introduction to the fact that Billy was on the wrestling team at high school. Great technique and upper body strength, but Donovan's uh, strength and stamina are slightly better, so he was able to pin Billy. End of wrestling scene. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that is, uh, you know, the writing of uh, the boxing book, A Flame of Pure Fire, just an absolute distillation of what it's like <laughs> to be in the ring. Uh, amazing. But that one starts with, okay, so they have the sword fight, right? And they're hitting each other with bamboo sticks and regular swords and everything. They're just fighting all the time. And mm-hmm. there's a class going on. But uh, right before what you read, Adder Bawali yelled, Compete! The students and the teen archaeologists began to wrestle. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's uh, Billy holding like a bamboo sword, and then uh, all of a sudden he gets charged at by this kid. Yeah, do they drop down to like one of those starting stances? You know, like the headlock stance or the, the grapple? Yes. <laughs> like... uh, also, there are mats there. So sure, of course, yeah. To, yeah. Oh, man, those mats, they smell terrible. Oh, God, you can't disinfect those enough. You get those skin diseases from them. Terrible. Uh, and ha- after that wrestling scene, it begins, in my opinion, one of the greatest segments we've ever co- covered on this book. Uh, it was sort of frustrating to read in real time, but the payoff from it, absolute magic. Um, I don't want to ruin it in the meantime, so let's just address it as if we don't know what's about to happen. Essentially, here's what, here's what they say. After the practice session was over, Adder Bawale yelled, Students of the school of Adder Bawale, listen up. King Treshand wants to know how well the students in all four schools are doing and how we all will fare against each other. There's going to be a competition held at the arena. Um, so that, you know, that reveals that there are three other schools here of warrior schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't met them yet. We haven't heard anything about them. Uh, and then he says uh, he's ordered all the instructors choose seven of the best students that we have to compete in the challenge. There are to be two girls and five boys from each school. We all know, it's always great when someone in a movie or book says that, just so Mm -hmm. they can fill the audience in. It's like over the top. We all know that the school of (laughs) Serthunya, saying a lot of these out loud for the first time, we all know that the school of Serthunya has only girls. The king has made an exception in their case. They shall be allowed to choose seven of their best female students. Since we only have two girls in our school, both Victoria and Edith will be competing. And then everyone claps for them. (laughs) Um and so if you haven't gotten those uh, rules down, don't worry about it. They will be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> and so what uh, Adderbawale does is he uh, goes through everyone. He says, next, I've chosen 18-year-old Sean to compete. Uh, he's also chosen Shamar and Shazar. We have no idea how old they are. Um, then he also picks Anan and Awotwi, who are both 20 years old, which is very disappointing. <laughs> I imagine there's resentment and grumbling. Sure. Not not teens at all. Yeah, but that, I guess you become Mopek warriors at 21, so they're close to being it. And then um, he says, make us all proud. Let all the students in the school of Zruberi, the school of Serthunya, and the school of Trafari know that we are the best, and everyone cheers. Yes. Uh, and then... <laughs> Remember how there was there was too much punctuation in Antigua? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've pared back on it here. I, I think they probably got really sensitive about that. I know they did because I believe there was a review that uh, Denise answered online, I think, about the punctuation. Oh, uh, yeah. She, she sort of She was like, upset. look, I, we, in the next edition, we, we <laughs> took it, we pared it back down a bit. <laughs> 
Uh, so that's fine. But uh, now they're not putting in uh, they're not putting in commas where they might help the. And so this, okay. you get this. The uh, instructor yells out, "He shall judge you, hard students." <laughs> Settle down, I, there, I, man. I, I, damn it! I somehow <laughs> missed that. Wow. So yeah, so you know, comma would help there, but yeah, uh, I'm just going to take it as it is. I can't do anything else. I can't do the work for you. <laughs> All right. So the hard students of the school of uh, Adderbal Wale. We then cut to the school of Trafari. He informs us that King Trishan has issued a challenge, and he's going to pick seven students. Uh, seven students that he's picking. He has to pick two uh, girls and five boys. Uh, so he chooses Danita, Abigail, Mazia. Django, Cato, Palmer, and Ladarius. And so they walk up and everyone cheers and, and claps their hands. <laughs> uh, that was uh, Trafari. Got yes, it. but uh, I just want to point out, so at that one, it's like we cut to the school of Trafari. All that happens, what you just said. And uh, it's just the instructor. That's all we get. Okay. Then cuts to the school of Zruberry. <laughs> the instructor, Zruberry, yelled... Everyone gather around. So I'm on pins and needles. Is the teacher of Trafari, or is the the head of the school of Trafari, like you know, was he killed by a a cougar or something? And you know, so now there's there's just some instructor there because he yeah. didn't get a name. Yeah, it's there's like just if, a substitute uh, teacher, right? Someone buys uh, Norm's plumbing, and you walk in, and you're like, "Hey, Norm." <laughs> He's like, "No, I'm Frank. I, I bought the business when Norm retired." <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to go through the confusing thing that some people do. Frank's Norm's plumbing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so Zuberi, instructor Zuberi, teaches the school of Zuberi. He informs them that King Trishand has ordered to be a challenge tomorrow between all four schools. Uh, and he's going to pick two girls and five boys. Uh, he picks Adana, Samanya, Mackie. <laughs> uh, Larry, Larry could have been of the uh, fan of the '80s uh, baseball catcher Mackie Sasser, who got like the, <laughs> the yips. He got the Chuck Knobloch, Steve Blast disease for a while. That's what's oh, yeah, about sure. him for a while. Uh, he also picks Rahamin, Neil, Nash, and finally Amir. Please come to the front of your class. Uh, <laughs> Neil Nash, put your guitars down and get up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be it right there. Uh, you have to you have to think some of these came from somewhere because some of them are purely made up and other ones are some of the most normal names you could possibly get. Uh, and then it cuts to the Mopec instructor, Sirthunya, who is the instructor of the girls' school. She has 22 female students and she has exciting news. King Trushan is sponsoring a challenge. It is to be oh. held tomorrow in the arena. <laughs> I know. This comes out of nowhere. Uh, uh, that's when the master instructor says, um, gets a question from Rachel. I assume <laughs> it's just Rachel, but you, know, you never know with these, with these Denises. Yes. Uh, master instructor, there are no boys in the school, Rachel said. Oh, okay. I well, got it. Enough said. <laughs> the school of Serthunia has only girls. Rachel... <laughs> we got it okay yeah. we we actually we go to the school first did, of all did you hit your head during the wrestling uh mat, match <laughs> yeah. brother and then so but but fortunately the uh the instructor sir Thunya, i know the school our school has only girls rachel the king is also aware of that we have granted permission to have seven of our best girls compete in their challenge i shall call, call out the names of the seven girls i have chosen to compete in the land of mopex first ever school challenge 
Sir Thunya chose seven girls to compete in the first ever Mopec Teen Challenge. <laughs> he doesn't list them. He doesn't list the names. He listed seven <laughs> names for every other school, 21 new characters introduced, the most pedantic thing ever, and then he glosses over the seven girls from the school of Sir Thunya. Incredible. I guess once you've you've whittled it down to Neil and Nash, you, you're at the end of your your naming rope, and uh, you know you you would be like I don't know Barb, Susie, yeah. Barbie, <laughs> Suze, and I don't know Barb with five A's. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so amazing. Uh, they leave you. They they challenge your expectations. You think you know just when you think you know all the the answers, they change the questions. Uh, and then it goes on back to uh, Aberdewale, Aderbewale, and uh, his students are fighting again, uh, Sean and Donovan, of course. And then we get introduced to a very interesting tick of... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> we get to meet... We had, hadn't heard a lot from the other characters other than Edith, was it? Uh, but Shamar um, comes up here. Uh, Victoria says, Sean and Donovan... Quit fighting with each other. Are you ready to throw all these years of hard work and training away over pe- petty jealousy? Wait, she, she also said, I just want to point this out before you get to this quirk. Okay. Um, she says, do you remember what the master instructor Adder Bawali said the last time you fought in this very courtyard? Uh, yeah, that was literally moments ago, of course. <laughs> well, let me refresh your memories. <laughs> To be fair, uh, the authors did introduce a lot of new characters in the meantime, so a lot of people That's probably true. are going to have forgotten this. Sure. And But in response to that, Shamar says, she's right, man. Man, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? All of a sudden, he's, he's the hippie and dragnet or something. <laughs> Look, young man, I know you think it's cool to do drugs. Hey, man, sit down. You're trying to hassle us, man. All we're trying to do is win this competition that uh, King Trishand has ordered, man. Uh, yeah, so I'm just imagining Shamar, like, you know, wearing sunglasses inside, like sort of John Lennon sunglasses, smoking a cigarette, maybe. He's uh, bending over and hooking his hair behind each ear every couple minutes, you know, <laughs> bopping up and down just a little bit to try to hide the fact that he's pretty stoned. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kobe starts calling people man uh, after, uh, I think, uh, Donovan beats Sean in a competition and Kobe smiles and says, congratulations, man. So Shamar won't, won't, we will not have Kobe stealing his thunder. He says with excitement, man, do you realize tomorrow's challenge almost got snatched right away from you? Donovan could have stolen the whole thing right from you. You're lucky, dude. <laughs> it's, I, it's infectious, I guess, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's the word like for certain generations of people. They just put it in every context, every place. It just becomes a, a you know, an audible pause instead mm-hmm. of um, like, uh, like, like. So, and it's, uh, you know, it, it spreads. It's like a virus. So, man, I guess, like that. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, we weren't saying man like five minutes ago, but now everybody's saying it. <laughs> Kobe then goes on to say, don't sweat it, man. Donovan will be okay. Just give him time. So, I don't know. <laughs> Everything's copacetic, man. Yeah, Adderbawale's got the coolest uh, school in town. Um, he, By the way, he also... Um, Adderbawali shouted out, this happens a lot, so I don't even know where this is, and compete! And both Donovan and Sean began to sword fight with each other. 
Yeah. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what, what are you doing? <laughs> this is wrestling now. Compete means wrestle, right? Yeah. Well, to be fair, sir, you just said King Trishan wanted to have a competition. We got very few details other than the exact number of boys and girls that were going to participate. So <laughs> you probably should have told us what this was going to be other than it's tomorrow so we could practice for it. Uh, so, yeah, we make the rounds of the schools again, and we get this little thing. Maybe you can help me out. Maybe I missed something. Uh, this is from earlier. Back at the school of Zruberry, the instructor Zruberry yelled out, everyone gather around. Quickly, I have news for all of you. Zruberry's 26 students all gathered around him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then here's just now coming up. The master instructor Zruberry had all his students line up in two rows of 26 each. Oh. The teenagers all lined up as their instructor had ordered. Wow. What the hell's going on here? Interesting. Do they have, they have doppelgangers, but they didn't. Or they just like each had a visitor that day or something? <laughs> yeah, a shadow. What what is happening? I'm starting to think they might not have really proofread this book too well. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's incredible. I didn't notice that. There was a, there's a, some other things in this book that your mind just sort of it fills in the blanks. You know, it, it wants to make sense of the nonsense, and sometimes that just leads you to uh, miss some of the funniest stuff in here. I, I did not catch that at all. It's true. It's a bit of a, you know, a Rorschach thing. It's like, yeah. I, I guess I'm, I think I know what I'm supposed to be seeing, so I'll just go ahead and see it. <laughs> but those were sentences that were back to back. These were just a couple paragraphs apart. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I, think, I think this does answer our question. At the school of Trafari, the master instructor Trafari yelled. Uh, hmm. So it does answer the question. But he seems to be sort of like a, uh, like a, a John Kreese, like the evil sensei. He's yelling, if any of my chosen students disappoint me in tomorrow's challenge against the other three schools, you shall be permanently dismissed from my school. The school of Trafari is for winners, not losers. Remember, you must come in first during the competition. There is no reward, prizes, or glory for second place. Now let me introduce my friend from Dynatox Industries. (laughs) Mr. Terry Silver. (laughs) He's going to be opening. Perfect. School's all over this underground thing. He might even teach for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we get more of the, the things. Um, the uh, chapter ends with Master Zruberi, who has had his students line up in rows of 26, yelling, who do you think you are? Do you actually think you have the right to question my decisions? I am the master instructor in this school. This is my school, and you shall do as I command. End of, end of chapter. End of chapter. <laughs> he just stopped typing. It obviously happened there. Uh, little little shade of, uh, what's his name, the the bowler? Uh, oh, Pete Weber. P- Pete, yeah, Pete Weber, Weber yeah. right? Who yeah. do you think you are? I am. That's, I believe that's what they were trying to get at with Yeah, one sentence there. in between. Who do you think you are? I am the master instructor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wow. All right. I can that see Larry was, uh, being up on his uh, professional bowling circuit. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday before the football comes on. It's a real sport. It is. <laughs> Those are athletes out there. Uh, chapter four. So, I mean, we've built up this uh, this contest quite a bit, and we're still sort of in the midst of waiting for it to happen. Chapter four starts. Everyone's sitting down in the arena, and uh, the warrior Atume yells, Welcome to the first ever Mopec Warrior School Challenge. Let the school of Zruberi, the school of Sirthunya, the school of Adderbawale, and the school of Trafari enter the arena. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone's there, everyone's watching. Uh, and uh, as Aberdawale School enters, the Royal Bongo players 
banged on their bongos as the four schools began to enter the arena. Which is, I mean, it's a perfect sentence. It introduces the fact that there are royal bongo players and they bang on their bongos. And I really, you got to hand it to uh, the Mopec warrior. Atume is coming in strong with this, you know, announcing stuff. It's Mm -hmm. really like all-star wrestling stuff. First, we have the school of Aberdwale, the royal bongo players, uh, etc. They enter the arena. First, the school of Aderbawale entered the arena. So, okay. So, so far, Atume's got this. He's yeah. not blowing it. Because that would be really embarrassing if, you know. Zruberry. Oh, I'm sorry. Just That is, of course, the school of Aderbawale. I, I apologize. It's a chance since it said exactly that. He might just be reading the text of the book, like uh, yes. in terms of breaking the fourth wall. And, I mean, so essentially, this book came out in when? 2013? Yes. Uh, something like that. Well after, uh, you know, you might be inclined to speculate after the, uh, you know, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire had come out, which has a very similar yes. uh, <laughs> competition between uh, different schools and uh, competing against each other in some big house cup. Uh, but uh, so the students and every school enters. Um, they all like do a different thing. Like one school has bows and arrows. Uh, other schools enter and like do some bamboo stick twirling. Uh, Palmer, Abigail, Danita, Ladarius, Maez, Django, and Cato uh, performed a karate type dance for the crowd. <laughs> Everyone clapped and cheered for the school of Trafari. A karate type dance. It was a, a variety of karate 80 dance moves. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that could be Terry Silver's influence right there. Yeah, there you go. We and But when, uh, when the uh, school of Serthunia enters... We get the names of the seven girls. We get Chioma, Dahlia, Faith, LaDonna, Chica, Brambi, and Yannette all enter. So, <laughs> I mean, we gave people advice about a tattoo here, but I mean, if there's anyone out there who's, you know, expecting anytime soon, there's uh, you want to name your kid after uh, one of these uh, characters from, from Mopec, uh, Brambi or uh, uh, Chioma could be some, some options. Yes, just take whatever book you know you have right now, throw it away, tape it <laughs> yeah. shut with st- sturdy tape and throw it so you're not tempted, and then only use this book <laughs> as your baby name source. <laughs> I dare you. Uh, and I like the, uh, so yeah, they, the, the other school, uh, Trafari, did the karate type dance, but the, yes. uh, the um, seven uh, girls from the uh, girls' school, Sirthanya school, performed a Mopec aerobic dance. <laughs> Uh, they paraded around the arena. It was reminded me of hot property. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to go down and see some of that teen dance stuff tonight. That's yeah. A- yeah, I heard uh, Chioma is going to be dancing with Brambi. <laughs> uh, and we've skipped over a lot of this introduction. They, 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 they introduce all the students again. They do these dances. It's been a, a, a long uh, start of the chapter. And then they all line up. They have their flags in the air. And finally, we're about to get started. Mopec warrior Atume says, Your Majesty and our Queen and all the inhabitants in the land of the Mopec, these are the students from the school of Trafari, the school of Zruberi, the school of Aberdewawe, and the school of Serthunya. Students, welcome to the first ever Mopec school challenge. Good luck to you all. Let the competition begin. The crowd yelled and cheered. We're finally ready. (laughs) And that brings me to 
my favorite paragraph in all of literature. <laughs> there might be there might be some uh, you know Shakespeare. There might be some Dickens. Um, there might yeah. be other things in this podcast you've claimed that about before. Uh, it could so. be. It could be even other things in other bad books. I just want to get ahead of it. You emailed me about this last night. We we identified the same thing. So um, okay, so this was yes, this was. All right. Uh, do you want to uh, flip a coin to see who gets to go read ahead? It? Please. You you emailed about it first. Everyone was having a good time watching the students compete in sword fighting. Relay racing, the bow and arrow challenge, and more. I assume the more is karate type dances. <laughs> uh, and period. Suddenly, three flying dinosaurs flew down into the arena. <laughs> Everyone in the arena <laughs> ran for their lives. <laughs> Two thousand five hundred and sixty-two words, spanning two chapters, <laughs> building up the competition, leading leading to the to everyone <laughs> running through their lives as three flying dinosaurs suddenly run into the arena. I read, everyone in the arena ran for their lives. <laughs> I read it. I read it. Uh, well, let, let me just redo what happens. The royal family and the teen archaeologists made it out of the arena safely. That wasn't the case with one of the students from the school of Adderpawale and two Mopek warriors. All three of them were carried off by the flying dinosaurs. Uh, I read it at home like Lauren had run out to do an errand or something. I, I, I laughed out loud to myself for maybe 20 seconds straight. Um, it, it was just sort of looking back down at the book, unable to, to believe what I had just read. It was sort of like Vincent Price in The Last Man on Earth just cackling. I, I, couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. Just to, you know, you don't expect much from, from the buildup in these type of things. But for something that anticlimactic and that hilarious, <laughs> is it the first time the dinosaurs have flown in? It is okay. So, so, so now if we, we had it, if we had it read thing. that in a real or fanfic, it would have been even more of a surprise. Oh, so, sure. Uh, I, uh, it's just incredible. It just to, to dissipate any sort of uh, tension or excitement that well. The competition is never mentioned. Again. It's never mentioned again. <laughs> it's just page after page of build up to it. Everyone mentioned the announcer doing his announcing, like here they come, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, all 28 of the students that are going to be represented in it. Like, <laughs> and then um, they light candles at the the river or something. They all decided to grieve together in a Mopex ceremony to honor the three that had been carried off by the flying dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but during, the, during the middle of that, we get uh, the Rebecca and Thomas thing, which I think is worth a... I think we read a couple of them last. This is good. Do you have it there? It's right below... Where their uh, their uh, thing is? Oh, the the bickering. Yes. Yeah, the bickering. Um, yes, it says. Uh, oh, well, let me let me let me build up to it because there there's some pretty pretty good lines. Sure. The kingdom of Mopek and the continent of Africa are similar in the way that we dress. Samira told the curious Mopek teens. So, I mean, speaking of a variety of '80s dance moves, that is a uh, <laughs> yes. that is as broad a stroke as you could possibly imagine. Like, sure. oh, you you dress similar to the continent of Africa, and then it <laughs> says, uh, "Yeah, your fancy moped costumes are similar to the way we dress during celebrations and festivals in Africa." Says one of the people from Nigeria. Uh, 
I don't know much about life in Africa, but there are some similarities in the way you live and the way we live in England, Thomas said. For one thing, there are rules we must follow in our own civilization, just like here in the land of the Mopec. For crimes against society, there are punishments just like here. Rebecca said sarcastically, Thomas should know all about that kind of punishment. His very existence on the planet Earth is a crime against society. Shut up, Rebecca! Make me, Thomas! I will! (laughs) Billy yelled, hey, both of you, shut up! (laughs) As there's like, you know, candles are floating down the river in silence. Yeah, their corpses are, you know, like they're weeping widows. (laughs) Uh, And during the middle of that, Edith... Not the sharpest tool in the drawer. Yeah, that's just says uh, those two fight just like my brother and I do. She said with amusement. <laughs> They're currently like you know. I'm assuming Thomas is planting haymakers into Rebecca's midsection. You know, lifting her off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and you do really? Your your brother calls you uh, your existence a crime against society. That is like <laughs> digging like into a very deep well of insults to you know for someone that you. You know, live in the same house with. It's a sick burn. (laughs) (laughs) Edith. Um, And then they get into some uh, discussion of Isabella, who was mentioned last time, was sort of doing the, um, you know, steepling her fingers and looking evil. Uh, I don't recall if it was mentioned, this aspect of her character was mentioned, but it says, what's her story? Isabella has lived in the palace since she was born. She grew up with Princess Aswenta. The two of them used to be very good friends. And then uh, when Isabella was about, rumor has it that when Isabella was about 16 or, or 17 years old, she fatally hurt a Mopec teenager who was teasing the princess. Instead of the king and queen being grateful to Isabella, they became frightened of her magic. I'm not sure if it was mentioned that she was a magician before, but uh, it is sort of buried the lead that that's how she fatally hurt him. She's very beautiful. It it cuts back. It gives us that. And this was confusing because it's all just contiguous. Uh, I looked in the actual book. It doesn't, there's no way to know that this is a, I guess, a flashback. One day, as Isabella and Aswenta walked through the kingdom, a young Mopec rebel named Samson, who was 21 years old, came up to them. (laughs) He yelled, well, what do we have here? We have two stuck-up girls from the royal palace itself. Princess Asuela yelled, How dare you talk to me like that? Do you know who I am? I'm Princess Aswenta. Yep, he replied. It's just like I said. We have two stuck-up women. Hey, you're supposed to be some kind of fancy sword fighter, Artie. Want me to want to test me, princess? That's the flashback. That's the <laughs> so fun, that's yes. how... It is, that's uh, how and then she gains her powers she somehow yeah she she like points her finger at him and zaps him i guess it's before the rebels were exiled to the jungle i'm not sure yes a I young rebel that. came up uh here's how he died a powerful electrical force came from her body and traveled throughout samson's body he fell to the ground he never regained consciousness. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, the White House issuing a press release? You don't yes, have to right. use passive life. He died in <laughs> Officer-involved shooting or something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, very odd way to put it. Uh, sir, he never regained consciousness. He died, right? Just, uh, you can say it. You're on the stand. <laughs> yes, and uh, technically he did, yes. <laughs> Uh, and then she's whispered, Isabella, you have powers just like your mother. So this is the first she's learning that she has these powers. I don't yes. know what she was doing, pointing her finger at him, if she didn't expect, you know, electricity to travel throughout his body and him to never get. Maybe she was just going to be like, now see here, you. 
Like give him a good finger waggle. Oh yeah, that was probably it. Is that a uh, something in Harry Potter where someone doesn't know they have powers until they turn a certain age or something? Oh, and, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what they were trying to get at. There. <laughs> uh, and it describes that uh, uh, Isabella's mother had felt that her. It flashes back, or it flashes sideways within the flashback because it says Isabella's mother felt her magic was turning on her it's a very impressive aside uh she didn't know how to stop it or control it one evening as she was sitting in her resting chamber her magic wand rose up from the vanity table by itself uh but it was she commanded it to lower itself but it was no longer under her control the wand flew through the air toward her suddenly an electrical force shot out through the wand and stuck and struck her Isabella's mother fell through the floor she was barely alive and then uh, I, where does she, she die? Oh, <laughs> she whispers to, this is the greatest thing ever. Cause you know, like in movies, like, uh, you know, earn this kind of, you know, she's on the floor and the king is holding her, her prone body as the, the life is slipping away. Right before she passed away, she whispered, my king, no punctuation. So I'm going to read it as it is. My king serving you all these years has truly been an honor. That's right. Close your eyes. The struggles over the years. I have never asked anything of you. Of course, my sweet, you have been in my service. But I am asking something of you now. Okay, what is it? The king asked. Protect my daughter. I will. I will. will Do Do not banish her from the palace. The thought hadn't occurred to me that it would banish her. That's this is the only home. That she is ever Okay, okay. I'm going to do the eye-closing uh, thing like in the movies. I'll just run my hand over your eyes to close them there. Rest she loves them. it here in the palace. Yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't even seem fitting. That she is last losing words, her mother. I, I, I assume she's losing you, but you seem to be hanging on for dear life here. That's She has already <laughs> lost her father in battle against... The rebels in the jungle. Oh, that's intensity where the rebels are, and that's backstory we're all familiar with. That's why the rebels were exiled to the jungle, as a matter of fact. She they- will have nobody to look after her. Mother of God, where's that wand? I'm going to finish you off for good. Promise this to me, my lord. I promise. I promise. Your daughter shall be treated as royalty. She shall be treated as my own daughter. Are you going to shut up now? <laughs> and see. How the chapter ends. Yeah, an incredibly long death that occurs in a flashback, and then the chapter ends without leaving the flashback. <laughs> Bold new innovations in storytelling. Oh, wow. Incredible stuff. Uh, the only other thing we need to mention from that thing, because a lot of people submitted this as a dumb sentence of the week. This is another thing that I uh, glossed over because it was so dumb that I, 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 I didn't notice it. But uh, during the morning ceremony, when all this happens and they're calling each other, you know, crimes against humanity and, mm-hmm. and you know, reeking like a goat's butt type of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, they're shooting off some like, you know, uh, oh, maybe they're describing another night. There was loud pops in the sky and it began to rain color. And Thomas <laughs> said sarcastically, we have nights just like that on every 4th of July and New Year. Do you know why that's why that was submitted by so many people as a dumb sentence? Uh, I don't. The, the teens, they, they are British. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's is right. a, uh, that is something that's, you know, it, I guess it was sort of emphasized, but like it, it, it comes and goes is what you're supposed to know that. But uh, one of the authors just <laughs> forgot about that fact. So they have these uh, British archaeologists uh, kids celebrating the 4th of July every year. <laughs> I, I had honestly forgotten they were British. Yeah. I, I guess Richard slash Anthony, of course, is British. Why didn't I, <laughs> sure, why didn't I know that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, amazing stuff. Um, let's that's that's like probably the halfway mark. Let's pause for some fanfic because we have some really good fanfic this time. Fanfic. All right, so here is real or fanfic, a very exciting segment where our beloved Patreon jackals have sent us in either their own artfully crafted fan fiction for the Teen Archaeologist Land of the Mopec Volume One. Or sent us real passages from later in the book that you are now going to have to decide which are real and which are fanfic. Um, I think last time was three out of five. Three out of five. So hard, but better than a coin flip. And uh, the Patreon you can support the, uh, us at is patreon.com slash 372 pages where... All sorts of fun stuff happens that you can't get anywhere else, like uh, the dumbest Encyclopedia Brown mystery in history that you tried to solve last week, <laughs> as well as... Uh, you know. At least people agreed that that was... Uh, I believe I saw a comment that someone like was holding on to that rage from when he read it originally. <laughs> I think it was he. Uh, and I was like, yep, I'm still mad about that one. <laughs> And we also heard some uh, uh, another story of your childhood about an insane event, and yes. uh, and uh, learned about a another book that was written by Charles Kim. Another book, sort of, uh, sort of another book. It's, it's a, <laughs> a revision. And people are we'll get to a refresh. Email, but people, yes. <laughs> people are out there uh, are buying this book and have some interesting stuff happening when they come. Oh, so wow. if, you, okay. if you want to hear anything about that, go Joe join to Patreon. Um, here's number one. Suddenly. <laughs> They all heard a loud scream. The ground began to shake with every footstep. The ground shook so hard that some of the group lost their balance and fell. Elizabeth asked with fear, Anthony, what is that? I don't know. King, what is that? Are we having an earthquake? King Trishand yelled, It is the giant gorilla beast. He's coming. (laughs) Benjamin yelled, Who is coming? A giant gorilla. He is a gigantic creature. That is why we have built this gigantic wall around our kingdom. Anthony whispered to himself sarcastically, I was wondering why this place was surrounded by a gigantic wall. King Treshan said, We built it to keep the giant gorilla out of our kingdom. We must get the children and the woman back inside the walls of the kingdom to safety. They are not safe out here with us. Suddenly, a gigantic gorilla about 21 feet tall and weighing over 800 pounds ran right up behind Sebastian and his group of thieves. The gorilla yelled out and banged his fist against his massive chest. It yelled so loudly that the monkeys in the tree ran and hid. Hmm. Even the talking monkeys? <laughs> um, boy. All right, going full King Kong on us, do Larry and Denise <laughs> like that? Is that how I have to think about this? I'm going to say that's fanfic. Okay. Number two. Sharkweel yelled, Ashanba, attack! The lion Ashanba roared and walked over to Rebecca. Ashanba raised a paw and got ready to attack. He was going to destroy Rebecca. Suddenly, the chimpanzee Poutu swung down from a tree on a vine. Poutu ran over to the lion Ashanba and slapped him across the face. The lion Ashanba <laughs> roared and started to chase Poutu around the zoo. 
Patu led Ashanba away from the teen archaeologists and climbed up a tall tree where Ashanba could not get her. Princess Aswinta smiled and said, See, Rebecca, I told you that Patua would protect you from anything bad. Rebecca smiled back and said, I guess you were right, Princess Aswinta. The teen archaeologists ran out of the zoo toward the palace. <laughs> oh, the slap administered by a chimpanzee is very enticing. But I'm going to have to say fanfic. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, number three. Meanwhile, Anthony, Elizabeth, Jabril, Babatunde, Benjamin, and the hunters arrived at the Nile River. Elizabeth turned around and screamed. Anthony yelled, run! Everyone ran over to the edge of the waterfall and jumped off the cliff. Anthony grabbed Elizabeth's hand and the two of them jumped off the cliff together into the water. The last of the hunters tried to escape from the gigantic snake that was chasing after them. He jumped off the cliff, but it was too late. The gigantic snake slithered its way from beyond the waterfall and wrapped its entire body around the man. The snake pulled him underneath the water as they fell in. The waters of the Nile River were particularly rough. The group of rescuers were pushed down the river just like the teen archaeologists had been. Elizabeth yelled, Anthony, you have leeches all over you! Anthony said, Get the little vampires off of me! Elizabeth, Babatunde, and Jabril pulled the leeches off of Anthony and threw them back in the water. Anthony and the others finally reached the pyramid of the Mopex. Hmm. So that's just a complete backtrack of what, <laughs> what already happened. I I mean, I can't put that past Larry and Denise, but people are clever. I don't know. All right. I'll say real. Wow. Uh, number four. Billy, Aswenta, Thomas, Rebecca, Samira, and Sharquil kept walking slowly and all turned around the next corner. They looked around the corner and saw a dead end. It's a dead end, cried Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Aswinta walked closer to the dead end and held up her torch. The light from the torch lit up the wall in front of her. The wall was covered in hieroglyphics. We've come this far. We can't turn around now, said Billy. Those giant spiders will be waiting for us. I know it. Princess, can you read the hieroglyphics? What do they say? The princess got a worried look on her face. These look even older than the hieroglyphics I'm used to, said Princess Aswinta. I don't know if I can understand them. Maybe they could tell us how to get through this dead end. Just at that moment, Charquille said in an excited voice, Princess, I think I know some of these hieroglyphics. They look like the ones I used to read about in an old book I found at the library. Give me the torch so I can read them. Charquille started reading the hieroglyphics. He had a concentrated look on his face, and he was whispering the words out loud. Suddenly, dirt started to fall from the wall and land around Charquille's feet. The floor was shaking. Charquille looks, Princess Aswinta yelled excitedly. I think the wall is starting to move. Keep reading. Hmm. Okay. Who's Sharquil again? He is the the uh Timothy of this book. He has the he's the friend zone uh oh, okay. friend of the princess. Okay, cuz the they have crushes on the on Sean? Uh, uh Donovan or Sean? Donovan and Sean are bickering. One of the one of the main Billy I think you know is batting his eyes at Aswenta and Sharquil is not happy about that. Oh boy, this is tough. Uh not crazy enough for fanfic <laughs> i don't know i'll say real okay Dang. Uh, number five final one prince ray sean grabbed anthony and punched him in the face he then grabbed anthony and held him as a shield king treshan saw his son and whispered rashawn what is my son doing he couldn't believe that his son was being such a coward it was not the mopek way ray sean and anthony began to fight with each other 
Anthony was able to knock Rayshawn off the mountain. As he fell toward the ground, the flying dinosaur flew over to him and caught him in his mouth. He flew off into the jungle with Prince Rayshawn hanging out of his mouth. They never saw Prince Rayshawn again. King Trishan was deeply hurt and put his head down in despair. Elizabeth walked over to the king and tried to comfort him. She whispered, I'm sorry, king. King Trishan said with a sad expression on his face, Thank you. It was obvious that he was heartbroken over the loss of his son. The group came back to the clearing in the middle of the jungle. There were about 18 gigantic ostriches standing around in the clearing. They were, <laughs> they were twice the size of a regular ostrich and had five times the strength. <laughs> oh, oh, clever girl. I'm going to say fanfic. That's very good. Though. All right. Let's see how this went. <clears throat> Number one. Number one was the uh, gigantic creature, the gigantic gorilla, about 21 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said fanfic for that. That is real. Submitted oh, by come on. <laughs> There's suddenly a wall? <laughs> submitted by John. Well, the wall is probably also keeping out the rebels, maybe, but also it's... <laughs> Nobody mentioned going through a wall. <laughs> uh, well, they had a wall. There's a wall. There's a okay. wall. Okay. So There's the rest a King of the Kong wall, wall there. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. He's, uh, yeah. Uh, number two, uh, this was the chimp Patua. <laughs> Patua! Uh, swinging down and slapping the lion Ashanba as it tries to attack Rebecca. You said fanfic for that. That is fanfic. Mm. Submitted, submitted by John. I'm not sure if that was the same John. Um, so one for two. Number three, this was the beat for beat, jumping off the waterfall into the Nile and then someone getting leeches on them Snake and calling again. them yeah, leeches, leeches and saying, get the little vampires off of me. You said real for that one. That is real from later in the book. Submitted, <laughs> wow. <laughs> submitted by Jeffrey. They <laughs> <laughs> just unspooled a book. Play it backwards. Some of these are like, it sort of sucks to spoil them, but like you've got, you, you've got to do it now, otherwise you'd never believe it. Right. So two for three. Uh, number four was the dead end and, Pritch- and Charquil reading hieroglyphics to open up the dead end. Uh, some good. Uh, this was, you said real, but it was fanfic written by Jay. Uh, there's some good uh what was what was some of the uh, um oh he had a concentrated look on his face i thought that was a very good larry and yes. <laughs> yes uh so two for four and then the final one was uh, uh prince rayshawn being carried off and then coming back to see about 18 gigantic ostriches that are twice the size of a regular ostrich and had five times the strength. You said fanfic for that. That is real. Submitted- no way. Come on. <laughs> Submitted by Jackson. I read that to Lauren over uh, breakfast this morning and was unable to stop laughing at about 18 ostriches. <laughs> five times the strength. <laughs> oh, which... Just a, a four-year-old. I mean... From a- looking at them? Like... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I appreciate the the reserve to cut off the fanfic there, so we're left to wonder what role these eighteen gigantic ostriches might have to play immediately following the king's son's death. Twice the size, with five times the strength. It's, it is. It's like a six year old making his own Pokemon. They saw, you know, giraffes that were one point six percent or one point six times the regular giraffe. And had eighty-seven percent of the strength. <laughs> okay, what? Well, wait, what would that look like? Why are we? Why are we haggling about these weird numbers? And yeah, and but being um, being so weird about the 
guessing at a very specific thing because the gorilla if you recall was about 21 feet tall and there <laughs> yes. are about 18 ostriches standing there and i think someone another character was about 21 years old or something like that yes. in the last sentence so oh so two out of five. Ooh, that uh, means my last two means i'm fully coin flip yep. yep wow <sighs> ouch all right well let's get back to the main text of the book chapter five uh, Baba Tunde and his wife Olureme came out of their home to speak with Anthony and Elizabeth. Wait, who's this Anthony character now? <laughs> Richard? I assume they mean Richard, so yes. I'm reading Richard every time I see Anthony. It would be great if that was his like assumed identity. Baba Tunde's like Richard. He's like, no, not in front of my wife. Like <laughs> uh, uh, brings me to a sonic challenge. Ooh, okay. Um this is from uh Quali. Okay. They they come to they they're like, oh boy, our kids are missing. We gotta go get a search party. So they go to their friend and Quale yelled, Lost map, lost civilization. What are you people talking about? He screamed <laughs> with fear and frustration. Where are my children? Tell me where they are now. All right. Um Okay, so the first part of it is yelling, and then the second part of it is screaming with screaming fear and frustration. With fear and frustration, okay. yes. Okay. Backing off, backing off the mic. All right. Lost map! Lost civilization! What are you people talking about? Where are my children? Tell me where they are now! <laughs> wow. Academy Award. He, built, he, 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 he turns on a hair, hair pin right there, that quality. Quali, Quali, calm down. I mean, the children can't be that far away, right? That's right. It has only been a day. Um, uh, Right? Has it been a day or they've been searching for a couple days? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so they they know that they've taken the map. Then the conversation, this part gets a little chaotic because Anthony slash Richard does not seem to be taking this very seriously. Jabril says, I think Jabril is the grandfather. He said slowly, they are in the lost civilization of the Mopec. (laughs) And then Anthony Richard says, well, if this ancient civilization actually exists, then we shall deal with that later. Our number one focus now is getting the teens back safely. Quali yelled, my wife and I are coming too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think so I think Quali and his wife are the uh, parents of Adam and Akita. Um, so that's why they're interested to uh, to do this. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, so they go, they're rounding up. It looks like they're rounding up a team is what I finally, you know, a lot of times, it, like you said, it's hard to figure out what they're getting at <laughs> because they're they're just not very good at it. But yeah. uh, they asked Benjamin and uh, Benjamin asked the lost civilization of the what? You know what? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to know. Let's just go get the teens. I'll get some of my friends to help. Benjamin, you're not the tiniest bit curious about lost. Uh, who gives a rat's ass? We didn't specify that they were teens either. You know, we said our children have been have wandered off. I, you know, we didn't specify their ages the way we do every other time we refer to them. So, oh, I assume after that though that also that Anthony gives him just a little fist bump that no one else can see about not caring about yeah. the lost. Yeah, yeah. I hear that, shit, brother. Man, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. 
I, I have a sonic challenge for you too. This is the one that I, I wanted you to do. It also involves yelling, but it's a different kind of yelling. It's the introduction of Benjamin. They went to Baba Tunde's friend's ranch to get help. Baba Tunde's friend Benjamin was out back attending to his horses. When Benjamin saw Baba Tunde, he yelled out. Can you yell out what he um, yells? Yes, I can. All right. I'll also back off the mic okay. and hope that my neighbors understand. <laughs> It is my old friend Baba Tunde himself. <laughs> uh, he yelled that. And then Baba Tunde <laughs> said frantically, it, it is good to see you again, my friend, but now is not the time to reminisce. Were we, were we about to reminisce? I, I wasn't know. reminiscing. It was a greeting. <laughs> I, I was yelled tending to my horses. Greeting. It's hard to reminisce and tend horses at the same time. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to keep them coming then. Um, sonic challenge for you. Okay. Benjamin said sarcastically, man, do you have it there? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, all right. Okay. Jesus, sarcastically, this is a, uh, this is like (laughs) patting your head and rubbing your stomach. Man, it doesn't even matter. Come on, guys. Let's go get the teen archaeologists. Uh, <laughs> he, just, he just nicknamed them the teens, the teens archaeologist. That's <laughs> oh, Benjamin. I'm glad you're part of our crew. All the men. I All assume the, men. the women were freezing them with looks. Yeah, God, like hands yeah. on hips, like what? Tapping are the you watches. Doing? Yep, <laughs> staring daggers. Uh, and that's and that's soon after the men are having a pretty good time here because Charlie just laughed and said to Anthony and the others, "Man, when your kids get into trouble, they really get into trouble." Uh, this this is the one that stopped me up short. I posted this okay. on, uh, on our Patreon. Who is Charlie? <laughs> I was enraged over this, okay. and that's what led me to uh, one of our. The readers okay. or listeners, sorry, and readers, I assume, went through the book and put all the characters down. Charlie appears once okay. right okay. here okay. and okay. says the enigmatic, man, when your kids get into trouble, they really get into trouble. <laughs> are they always this adventurous? Charlie, how do you know my kids that well? Who are you? Yeah. What are you talking about? You're pretty confident they aren't dead. I just said they went to the Nile, which, as we covered last time, involves crossing uh, South Sudan and the Central African Republic. And you're, uh, I mean, I know I was laughing when we called them the teen archaeologists, but they're my kids, man. Charlie, I don't know you. You don't get to laugh at, uh, and say sarcastic things. I was going to say, I, I, I thought it would be a, uh, a Anthony Richard situation that Charlie is also Benjamin. But it, oh. does say, but it does say a couple of Benjamin's friends were already at his ranch hanging out. <laughs> so yeah they're just cracking brews and like you know t- t- tending to the horses quote unquote they're probably like you know shooting the horses with slingshots and laughing as they like buck off the guy who's riding or something <laughs> all right well if anyone can solve I, I mean it is solved there is there no, is no other charlie there yes, is no charlie there's no reason he is called out uh it is it is baffling sure. utterly baffling sure <laughs> and uh, Anthony, it end, that part ends with Anthony giving his wife a big hug and whispering, don't worry, we'll find them. Smash cut to uh, maidens uh, being escorted by warriors into the girls' chambers to help Rebecca, Samira, and Akita get ready to eat that afternoon's meal. Which I, I, is, it, is it something that teen girls really need a lot of help preparing to do? I'm not sure. 
I, I, yeah, this part Loosen up their jaws or some well. chewing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this is a uh, I, this is one of those things where I'm sure I've told the story on here before, but it reminded me of something from my youth. Uh, they they go in to eat the meal. I think they call it the eating chamber later in the book. <laughs> oh boy, uh, King Trish. They Billy says like, "Hey, like this has been great. You know, we've seen uh, oh yes. karate yeah. type dancing and everything, but we really ought to get back. Um, you know, we can't stay here." King Trishand banged his fist on the table so loudly that everyone stopped eating. They all stared at the king in fear. So he is upset. He is not having this anymore. He is not having his word questioned. He says, enough! I have given my decision in this matter. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, why did I, I, just, why did oh, I say that so confidently? <laughs> oh, I wound up to that. and oh. <laughs> it's, uh, to, I'm sure I've said it before, but the guy who uh, came up to me in the hallway with like his little toady with him a year above me in high school after I had gone to the movies with his girlfriend, a good friend of mine. And he said, hey, Connor, I go out with my girlfriend. He points at me. Not me. D- not you. <laughs> <laughs> never, never let him live it down. Brought it up, uh, I believe, uh, like seven years later at a New Year's oh, nice. party. And he remembered exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how nice to know that it gnawed at him. Exactly. It's perfect. So I'm sure King Trishand will be hearing about that. Uh, you know, the next time one of his sorceresses died, that'll be a thing she mentions with her dying breath. Remember I- the time. That you said you were going to say, given what you said, giving. Um, I assume that that is why, like, he's eating lunch, right? So he then he says, I shall be obeyed. And then he stormed out of the eating chamber accompanied by guards. So, I mean, he skipped lunch because some foreign kid, a teenager, said something to him. Yeah. Like, I'm actually pretty hungry. Can you go back in? I'm not going back in after I said I have given my decision. Yeah, I think that was what informed it. It was just walking out of there rather than trying to sit there and act like it hadn't happened. Just you hear the forks (laughs) clicking on the plate and being like 20 seconds of silence and being like, good uh, sweet potatoes today. Uh, Someone, you know, snickering into a napkin. King (laughs) like, hey, stop that. Stop that. Guard. Stab that man. (laughs) Have a dinosaur carry him off to the land of the dinosaurs. No, and then yeah. uh, Nate Naidur, Naidur, said, I believe is the head warrior. Yes, so he's like the he, he's the enforcer for the king, I think. Okay, um, this is something I, I I wished I had said to my daughter-in-laws. Naidur said angrily, "You heard what the king said. I shall be watching you very closely. I will not hesitate to destroy each and every one of you." <laughs> In the meantime, stroll around the grounds, wrestle with my children. It's fine. Enjoy our eating chambers. Yeah, Nadur is uh, zero to eighty there. I guess. Like, yeah, I guess wow. with the king not there, he can sort of. Uh, he, I'm in charge now. I'm watching you, <laughs> and I will destroy each. Whoa, 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 man! Settle down, man. Nadur Shamar is not happening. It goes no. against his whole vibe. Uh, then we get to a very another another curious. Uh, Again, uh, probably a typo, but it's repeated so often that uh, it, you you can't really consider it that. Because there's a discussion between the royal family, Queen Rashinda, Prince Rashan, and uh, Princess Aswenta. And they're sort of like, their their main gist here is that, like, the prince is saying he's the next in line. Um, and, and, like, I want to tell these guests what to do. 
but mm-hmm. they keep saying, my son, I know that you are Prince. <laughs> and you love your father very much. <laughs> yes. For Sh- Rashawn responded angrily, patience and kindness, patience and kindness is for women. I am Prince. <laughs> I, I, I spell my song titles with letters in places of words and numbers sometimes as well. Do you see me dry humping this table with my glyph-shaped guitar? I am Prince. I had noticed, uh, Prince, your, 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 your pants do not contain an ass. So... Uh, <laughs> You, you did cut them out. That was a tip-off. But yeah, Prince Queen, Queen Rashinda says to Eswenta, uh, do you want, think it's wise for you to speak to your brother like that? He is Prince. And will one day rule this kingdom? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, Very strange turn. It just needs an article, right? He is the Prince. Like, I, mean, I, I guess. I do not care if he is Prince. He deserves every word I have spoken. Do you think that was a, a late-night prank by Larry? Like, yeah. search and replace? <laughs> yeah, every he, time it says... That'd be, that'd be funny if he was Prince. He lost a game of Monkey Bash at the dar- at the uh, pub. And the, uh, <laughs> all right, if it be you, man, you got to go home and you just got to start taking out thes out of your wife, that book, that book your wife is writing. That'll be a little bit. Just go in and just, see, you know, the, you know, you know the, T-H-E, Larry? Larry, snap into it, man. You go no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you got to get back there and you got to go out and you, just, you, you find the the, you delete it. Oh, I know just the section I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get the next round of the bash. All right. And then when the book comes out, I'll show it. You'll, you'll know which part it is. Yeah, you'll if see. I remember this, man, I don't know. It's had a fireball. That's. <laughs> oh. Uh, and so it cuts from that into a section about the royal lion, Ashamp. <laughs> oh, my God. The lion thing is incredible. <laughs> um, this is a uh, Sharquil is training the lion um, and Billy has interrupted him. And so they are they are upset. Um, uh, Sharquil is upset that Billy calls it a pet. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he says Sharquil laughed. He asked angrily. He's a nice pet. It seems like a hard thing to ask angrily, but um uh, essentially, Sharquil sicks the lion on Billy. He says a Shamba attack. He roars so loudly that uh, Billy backed away and fell over a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we hinted at it before, but uh, from Antigua, as the men were sword fighting, the knight Sir Vladimir knocked Sean over a wheelbarrow. <laughs> yes. Vladimir then picked up the barrel and threw it on top of the man and knocked him out. <laughs> Uh, Billy, during the middle of that, by the way, he says, like, I'm, I'm trained. What does it look like I'm doing? This lion belongs to the king. I'm training him. Billy replies, hey, look, man, I was just asking. <laughs> so, yeah, that thing is still spreading. I mean, I, I, what you said, it was uh, it was like contagious them saying that way. It does yeah. seem like something that, that Larry came back from the bar. Like there was a guy there that was playing. You know, the Buffett covers at the, you know, the, the 1 p.m. shift at the bar. And Larry, you know, came up to him afterwards and told him how great he thought his cover of, uh, you know, Changes in Latitudes was. And that guy said, man, every sentence. Yes. And then when, when Larry came home that day, he was like, hey, man, like, how's the book going, man? And Denise is like, what are you, t- what are are you, you talking doing? like that? Like, oh, I, I don't know, man. I've always said this, man. <laughs> I've always had a goatee. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so... They they leave the the lion attack is just sort of a you know hey that that happens sure, what are you going to do yep. uh, but they walk through um, she's explaining their history the princess is walking with the other teens okay. and she's just kind of explaining and this is and to me things got kind of dark pretty quickly 
The princess pointed to two stone statues and said, that stone statue is my grandfather, King Machurpa. <laughs> Next to him is a statue of my grandmother, Queen Tarhura. <laughs> she died several years ago and a stone statue was built in her honor. That's nice. My grandfather, King Machurpa, was assassinated a few years before her death. <laughs> he was poisoned. Nobody has ever discovered who the assassin or assassins were. I like she wasn't prejudicing the case. There. Right, yeah. There could have been a whole conspiratorial team. But yeah, just casually explaining to the the people who what Nadir is going to eliminate one by one. Uh, gun to your head. If you if you don't or or if you if you get it wrong, you have to get the tattoo of the bird kite. Yes. Will that ever be addressed again? Will will we learn who did the de- the assassinating? Uh, no, of course okay. not. <laughs> I mean, it could be the you know it's probably some of the rebels in the jungle, but yes, the ju- rebel jungles, ju- jungle rebels. <laughs> um, did you notice the? Uh, I hate to bring this up, but I I, I have to. They they wander through a uh, like gardens. Mm-hmm. And they come to a tropical area where pets were kept. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I noticed this. <laughs> uh, Thomas said, this is just like a petty zoo. <laughs> In fact, you have enough animals here to start a large zoo. So I, I hate to be unkind. Do Larry and Denise think it is called a petty zoo, <laughs> not a petting zoo? Uh, I mean, since he says you have enough animals here to start a large zoo, maybe he did mean like, you know, like petty cash, like petty, I, a small uh, amount of zoo. Uh, just to make sure I wasn't being, you know, unkind, I looked it up. There's no such thing. I almost looked it up to be like, zoo. maybe it is a uh, British. Maybe that's a... Uh, I don't know. think it is. Take the lorry down to the petty zoo. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go with this, the Occam's razor here and say yes. they thought it was called a petty zoo. Yeah, that's that's how petting zoo sounds if you're slurring it. Sure. <laughs> and then we get this great thing, like the Star Trek uh, alien, Eswenta asks with confusion, Thomas, what is a zoo? <laughs> <laughs> Look, do, do we do you not speak perfect English or not? Like, because there's been no language border issues here at all so far. <laughs> Yes. Like we have everything you need to have. Um, so I'm not sure if, uh, oh, we do not keep animals in cages, but it does seem like they keep them in some sort of, you know, exhibiting, exhibiting area. Yeah, they said where we keep our animals. Yeah, they ride on them and stuff. So uh, Rebecca and Thomas, of course, have a uh, call each other monkeys, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where um, Patua, the chimpanzee, comes into. She's been raised by uh, the princess ever since she was a baby chimp. Um, and then Thomas yelled sarcastically, Princess, don't trust my sister with one of your animals. She'll destroy it. It's like, seriously, there lots of cats go missing in our neighborhood. It's very off-putting. Like, we, <laughs> she's seeing a psychologist. Like, yes. violence issues. She lights fires. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, during this discussion... I don't know. It seems like they got to get their crap together on this whole thing. Suddenly the teens, Princess Aswenta, the animal trainers, <laughs> and everyone else in the kingdom of the Mopec heard a loud scream coming from the sky. Two flying dinosaurs were <laughs> headed into the kingdom. Oh, man. It's like, uh, yeah, you so... got to get this under control if this is happening a lot. Yeah, a lookout tower, perhaps? Some sort of alarm? <laughs> Uh, and I, that is just a, a, a great a great way of parsing that out is that the teens 
Princess Aswenta, the animal trainers, and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I can save you a lot of words there with the word everyone. Uh, and then this is where, I think it was in Larry, or real or fanfic, uh, one of the dinosaurs flew down and landed on the ground. The creature started walking through the kingdom like a man. Um, what are you picturing there? Because, like, I think it's like a, I mean, there's an X-Men villain called Sauron that's a, you know, a anthropomorphic pterodactyl, essentially. You know, he wears shorts. <laughs> uh, oh, But he okay. also can, can walk around and has his wings spread out sort of like a, you know, like a a, a vampire would do when you land type of thing. That I mean, has to be what they have in mind. Yeah, I'm thinking because it says it was huge, two hind legs. <laughs> the creature stretched upwards to over 14 feet tall. So 1411, 146, <laughs> hard to say. Uh, could be 35 feet tall, over 14, you know, covers a lot yeah. of ground. But it is, yeah, and it tries to bite the men with its sharp teeth. So, yeah, I'm imagining sort of the long, you know, beak of, of that type of dinosaur. But then, b- before this, weren't you thinking of pterodactyls? Flying uh, dinosaurs coming and snatching people up and carrying them away? This is the first time giant teeth and things like that were mentioned. So yeah, I well, I, mean, I think I just had this image of this, like... Uh, x-men guy in my thing so that's what i was sort of picturing i'll send you a picture of them you could tell me if this makes sense to him to you um but it's like i mean his name is sauron which i never realized until lord of the rings that it was a a complete ripoff but oh okay well yeah this one does this is more like a pterodactyl but it doesn't have teeth like uh okay like yeah. this, this fella does. <laughs> these these <laughs> fellas. So. They could be the assassins. Maybe they poisoned the, the grandmother. Wow, that would be a uh, yeah. If we just blamed it on assassins to as an excuse to exile the rebels when yeah. like you know yeah the assassins they their enormous teeth <laughs> clamped yeah. down on the king and then the assassins flew off with them to the land of the dinosaurs and that's why we had to banish those rebels who you know were some from a sort of a different part of town from us. You know, slightly different skin tone than us. We had to banish them uh, to the to the jungle for the rest of eternity. The the uh, assassins are their Reichstag fire. So <laughs> so we got to clamp down on the rebels. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what happened. That'd be great. That'd be an amazing third act twist. But anyway, this is how you end a chapter. None of this, um, you know, uh, instructors standing up and yelling at people. None of this other garbage. This is how you end a chapter. All right. Suddenly, the second flying dinosaur swooped down from the sky, picked up one of the warriors in its, with its talons, and carried him away. Both dinosaurs flew away across the jungle to the island where the dinosaurs lived. <laughs> Seems like it might be time for an attack on that island. <laughs> This seems like an act of aggression. I don't know. Yeah, you do seem to be a very warrior-centric society. Yes, uh, maybe instead of uh, karate-type demonstrations, you can uh, maybe focus on getting over there. Um, it doesn't seem like it's that far away. I don't know. They watched it go to the island. Okay. Um, yeah, it's probably time for an examination of what the, uh, you know, this sort of environment or ecosystem of what this looks like because you know every animal seems to thrive down here there's not a lot of rickets caused by you know vitamin d or c deficiencies from the sun all the plants seem to grow giraffes are eating leaves off the plants Mm -hmm. Um, evidently there's um you know big bodies of water because there's an island that the dinosaurs live on um so i don't know if that's an underground river it seems to be more like an underground ocean there's a, it, uh, some, enough to support a gigantic uh, gorilla creature. Sure, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so 
Seems a pr- it's a pretty rich land that lacks it does it lacks for nothing. It's yes, from what, yes, uh, right. So, uh, yeah, whatever whatever you need, you've got. Yeah, that's the end of that chapter. Chapter six uh, begins, <laughs> and also in media res, Prince Rayshawn is whispering. My father has become weak, <laughs> and then it says uh, uh, he he is an advisor named Joe Hansen. Joe Hansen suddenly appears. <laughs> the king's advisor, Joe Hansen, said, "Yes, King Trishand is becoming weak. He has put us all in danger by letting the strangers live." I tried to warn him, but King Trishand doesn't listen to me anymore. Um, and then it says the group of traders broke up the secret meeting and went back to the celebration. What the group didn't know was that the princess was hiding nearby and heard everything they just said. That's storytelling for you. <laughs> that uh, that that comes back again as well. Um, but yeah, he says, um, I tried to warn him and all of that. He did? When? <laughs> this is the first appearance of you, and I would not be surprised if it's the last one. <laughs> yeah, let's see. There, there was no you warning anyone. This is in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're just like... I tried to warn him. Do you have any record of that? Because that may come up in our court proceedings. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't have phones, so I don't. I don't know. I just. Yeah, I remember a conversation. If only we had certified mail down here, I would have sent myself a copy of the <laughs> yes. memo I sent to him. That's a failing. I guess we do lack for some things. Joe Hansen yeah. does come back uh, several times. So okay, we'll have to All right. keep I'll, an eye I'll on. Check him. that chart. Yeah. Here's another thing that. Uh, um, you know, they, they were confused by the concept of zoos earlier, even though they seem to have a lot of the same uh, um, t- cultural touch points as us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aswenta, who has then overheard this conversation, rushed to her father and tried to explain to him what she had heard. The king wasn't listening to his daughter at all. He was having too much fun watching and listening to the entertainment. Several dancers dressed in gypsy costumes danced for the king and queen. So that's a, uh, that, that, that's a cultural touch point we have, too. It could be the sort of thing where, like, what we're thinking of that, you know, what if you saw green as I see yellow, man? Like, maybe they're all dressed like the Philly fanatic, and that's what passes for that down here or something. <laughs> but uh, I, I, just a good thing to see uh, translated to the land of the Mopec. Unexpected, to say the least. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so Prince Rayshawn, no, wait, so Isabella, she's the evil one? She's the evil sorceress. Okay. So I didn't really, but the, she tries to warn the king, but the king won't have anything no, of it. Princess Aswenta tries to warn the king. Yeah, and okay. he uh, he just like he's just like you know wow, I enjoyed the entertainment. And then he storms out of the salon, which he's Isab- been doing a lot lately. Yeah, yes, he's storming out of places. Guy hasn't had a meal in years. <laughs> uh, Isabella smiled and then started laughing. So King has stormed out of the salon. She whispered to herself. Soon the royal family shall be destroyed, and Prince Rayshawn and I shall rule this kingdom. I don't have to do much of anything. They shall destroy each other. Soon this palace shall be mine. My parents' memories shall remain within the walls of this palace forever, and I shall remain here to honor them both. The king is like, ah, forgot my coat. I heard everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have you be- beheaded. Uh, so, uh... Uh, you should have probably not said that out loud to yourself <laughs> seconds after I stormed out of the chamber. Oh, man. Uh, where is that? Oh, yeah. It's like you can traditionally... That was... You You skipped ahead a chapter, by the way. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, traditionally, you can just like, you know, steeple your fingers and say moo-ha-ha-ha when that is what's happening. I thought the salon... I forgot we went back to the salon. Yes. So oh, I was I was reading in the salon again. Yeah, Sorry. these these are these are shorter chapters. But so what happens here is uh, Isabella is uh, handling her pet snakes, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> which um, uh, he, he, she, this is where they start introducing the thing of uh, it, object permanence being a tricky thing for people. Um, Isabella has uh, stood up and walked over to her pet snakes. Um, she held the snake and walked over to her crystal ball. She was still holding her pet albino python around her shoulder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then, wait, so so because there's another someone listening outside. So set the scene for me. He's in the salon, and they come in and try to tell him that there's a plot against him, and he's like, "Stop it! I I want to enjoy my salon time." He's, he's watching the dancers. Uh, then the next time, I think they do this. Um, oh, okay. So there is a double beat. They, they do the double beat. Yes, you've, you know, okay. you're, you're forgiven for. <laughs> okay. And she also says to herself, "I will not allow Aswenta to get in the way of my plans. If she interferes, I shall simply have to put her under a sleep spell for the rest of her young life." And you know, doing someone's at the door doing the uh, very annoying coworker back of the knuckles, knock knock, uh, <laughs> yes. bringing your snake a, a rat to eat. I couldn't help but her. You're playing against Aswenta. Oh, okay. Uh, we then so at the rest of that chapter one, we get introduced to a character that I read as uh, Cleopatra. It is in fact Cleopatra. <laughs> I read the exact same thing. I was like, "What are they just taking Cleopatra's name?" Like, I didn't. I never noticed until this second that there's not an R. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, there's a there's a gold plated King Tut on the cover of the book. I would not have bet that we were going to get a character named Mackie before we got a Cleopatra, but <laughs> it turns out it was a Cleopatra. So the jury's still out on that. But um, Isabella starts sort of like doing her magic to people. She makes Samira. I don't remember who Samira was, a, a, a beautiful maiden. She makes her look gross in the mirror with pointed ears, a big nose, pimples, and warts all over her face. Yes. And who's Samira? I, I think she's like a trusted maiden, maybe, of the, of, the, of the princess. Oh, she was alone in the girls' resting chambers. She was trying on dresses and diamond jewelry and looking at herself in the floor-length mirror. Okay. And yeah. then she gives the, the spell... And she turns. Okay, so that's a double beat as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's she, why I'm confused. She does. Yeah, they're very similar chapters. And you might be forgiven to think that you maybe only needed one of them. And that like many of the <laughs> sentences in this book, they sort of reworked them again and then left them both in the final copy. Okay. Uh, I think I've got my arms around the plot Okay, now. yeah. It's All very right. understandable. <laughs> uh, the um, the uh, one other double beat is that Isabella walks over to the queen, I think. And it says, she walked over to the queen and began to brush her hair. Isabella said as she continued to brush the queen's hair, by queen, I don't mean to upset you, but I do have a concern. No time has passed between those two sentences. You can just sort of assume that whatever action has been started is going to continue until you tell us otherwise. Okay, so then she does the evil thing, like a, a princess must show respect. Uh, the queen's like, where did you hear such nonsense? This is my daughter you speak of. And then she... Uh, she says, oh, I'm only doing that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there now, your hair looks beautiful. Isabella turned around and walked out of the queen's chambers. As she turned around, she smiled wickedly. <laughs> so in case you were in case you were thinking this was a good uh, witch who was turning people into pigs. <laughs> yeah. And the, the queen is sitting in front of her mirror. So it's like, I can see you smiling wickedly like you... Your face, you, you look like the Grinch when he decides he's going to invade Whoville. Like, what is going on there? That is a wicked smile. Yes. Okay, so chapter seven, which I had skipped ahead to, begins with, 
What Isabella and Queen Rashinda didn't know was that the maiden Roshana was <laughs> out in the corridor eavesdropping. So, she, what? Her, this is the second time Roshana has eavesdropped on something. Okay. In these in two consecutive chapters, um, I I don't know what she eavesdropped on though. Oh, I guess that um, Isabella said that uh, Roshana was being a traitor. So Roshana knows that. Uh, um, Isabella has it out for her. Okay. She didn't eavesdrop on her smiling wickedly. That'd be a hard thing to overhear. <laughs> okay. Uh, but she, several maidens were floating and playing in the warm waters of the hot spring as Isabella walked past the monkeys that were playing up in the trees. That's the two sentences I'm like, wait, what? Two, several maidens floating in the warm waters of the hot spring as Isabella walked past the monkeys. They became extremely noisy and agitated. I mean, if that doesn't tip you off that someone's evil, I don't know what will. Yeah, monkeys. They're like, yeah, you know how the, the birds get quiet when, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the dinosaur is about to come through. Sure. Monkeys start screaming at you. You're probably evil. <laughs> and then, so the sorceress has turned a woman into like a goblin. She's smiling wickedly. And this sort of just seems beneath her, though. Isabella smiled and then suddenly, without warning, pushed Roshana into the hot spring water. Isabella walked away angrily as the stunned maidens helped Roshana out of the water. Sort of just beneath her station as a as a powerful sorceress. Yeah, just because right before that, put a magic spell on Maiden Rosh- turned her face into that of a woman of 75 years old woman. <laughs> Roshana was only 21 years old and had the face of an elderly woman. Her hair turned completely white. That's a Hall of Fame part of the book, I think. That is amazing. A woman of 75 years old woman. Old woman. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't help thinking of our uh, short, A Very Old Woman. Oh, yes. A forthcoming shirt. What was it? Thoughts of a very old woman? <laughs> yes. Very old. Reflections okay. of a very old woman. <laughs> You've got that to look forward to, people. Um, uh, yeah. She's... Yeah, that's... That, uh, I realized these chapters were similar. I didn't. I didn't know how similar they were until you mistook one for the other. But that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are they getting at here? This is something I'm not familiar with. Uh, King Treshand is uh, in his salon listening to music. There was a harpist, violinist, a guitarist, and a flutist. The lion, Ashanba, is sleeping at his side. The maiden, Elena, stood behind the king and fanned him with a gigantic feather made of wicker. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, a giant, a blade, I guess? I mean, they, they mean Feather? a fan. I mean, they just mean a, a, a wicker fan. Of but course they do. They're trying to put their spin on it. <laughs> and maybe it's from one of those uh, ostriches with the strength of five ostriches. Yes. Those, those gigantic ostriches probably have huge feathers. I would just like to point out, though, I mean, are they saying this about the king? Like, his his people are being snatched away by evil flying dinosaurs who live just down the street. <laughs> and he can't be bothered to leave his salon because he's listening to pleasant music and being fanned by a feather made of wicker to keep him cool. Sure. Um, there's got to be talk of the assassins coming back to poison this guy, I'm assuming. Yeah. We, and- we got to get on this. I mean, you know, Rome is burning. You got to stop fiddling, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you know, it wasn't three... 
you know, elders who fell to the thing. It was three teens, as specified, who were carried off by the dinosaurs, cut down in their prime. The mourning must still be going on, and the failed king has done nothing to protect us from these constant dinosaur attacks. Yeah. Nothing. And, and let alone that, his his father... So, yeah, it was the princess's grandfather who was assassined. His, so his own father was, was killed by assassins. He's warned twice in a row that people have it out for him, and he says, leave me alone. <laughs> I won't hear of this. Yes. He's, uh, yeah, he pretty much has it coming whenever it happens. So, okay, so yeah, so exact words. He stormed out of Salon, yeah. and it, it, Isabella smiled evilly. Yeah. And then he storms into the queen's chambers, and here, the, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Do, do you want to read the maidens' names? I want you to I have a sonic challenge. Oh, is that it? I want you to do them as uh, Charlie Callis noises. <laughs> I could read them for you, and then you could do it. Yeah. Okay. So he stormed into the maidens' che- queen's chambers and yelled, "Get out! Get out now!" The maidens: Haderala, Sabine, Sabrina, Joaquina, and Hadashasha were helping the queen groom. So, like Charlie Callis is the guy that if you, if you you might not know who that is, but you probably know his style of comedy. He did like weird little sound effects in the middle of uh, in the middle of his. He like, would routines. break down. He couldn't say things. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so the uh, the uh, king he walks into the chamber and there they are. They're, they're, they're all lined up. They got the maidens. He got. And you got the Sabine. Sabrina, Wakina, and we're helping the queen. I guess how Charlie Gallus or uh, Mo and Shemp and the Three Stooges type of thing. Yes. Oh man, those were those were they're they're trying to outdo each other with these maiden names here. Jimmy Durante. Yeah. And uh, so he's up there. He's like saying uh, he's upset because the princess is spreading rumors about the prince. And now the, the evil sorceress who is, you know, unbeknownst to him, working with the prince is like doing all this stuff. And so all this infighting is happening. And that's exactly what they've had that the, the sorceress is um, doing. She's turning everybody against each other. So that's why she's going woo-ha-ha-ha everywhere. Yeah. So she's walking around spreading this poison. Um then plot wise, what the what the hell happens in this chapter? <laughs> She's just walk. Everybody's storming into everybody's chambers, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So she storms into there and says that he's been spreading rumors. And then uh, uh, Prince Rayshon is fighting with his cousin Victor. He says, out of all of his cousins, Victor was the prince's favorite, but he didn't trust him enough to tell him his plans to assassinate King Trishant because wow. Victor was too honorable to agree to such a thing. So, I mean, it's kind of a low bar for honor, really. Right. <laughs> Not wanting so, to assassinate the king. So then he goes into, Aswenta was in her chambers with the head maiden Yadira and the seamstress Gwendolyn. Okay. Princess, isn't this a beautiful fabric? Gwendolyn asked as she held up a beautiful yellow satin fabric. A fabric this beautiful will match beautifully against your lovely Mopex skin. All right, now. <laughs> We're all Mopex here. Yes. You don't need to. Uh... I have impressed, though, at your ability to procure satin. That's a uh, you know, yes. refined, refined textile there. 
So glad so we've they got do, that working. They do have silkworms there as well. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going um, to start complimenting your, your beautiful American skin next time we yes. see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, and then this is, I, something clicked in my head when Yadira asked, Princess, will you be lounging on your balcony? And she says, yes, perhaps I shall lounge on the balcony. I was like, this is what I bet like the uh, the dialogue in your high school Spanish class sounds like to a native speaker, you know. <laughs> will you have uh, a tortilla for lunch? Yes, I will have a tortilla for lunch. <laughs> yes. And then it even goes on further. Yes, perhaps I shall lounge on the balcony. I shall go out on the balcony and freshen <laughs> things up for you. Uh, and then, you know, more more discussions of, uh, of, of fabric, too. Uh, Gwendolyn starts. So I think someone warns her. Um, Oh, yeah. No, the person goes out there, and that's why the third eavesdropping occurs, because the handmaiden Gwendolyn, or Yadira, goes out there to, to tidy up the balcony. But um, Oh, and then Rashawn storms in. He storms in. <laughs> yeah, he stormed into the princess chambers. He was very angry at his sister. He stood there and stared angrily. He wanted to make his anger known to the princess. She asked angrily, have you lost your mind, brother? <laughs> Getting a strong sense of anger happening. And then he says this. This is this is a hard thing to sound like super intimidating while you're yelling. Because uh, Gwendolyn has started to gather up the satin and silk fabric. The prince yelled, I said get out! Leave the fabric! <laughs> you may come back later to retrieve it. Uh, so wow, she leave. leave the cannolis. Take the cannolis. <laughs> but then uh, Aswenta completely forgot that Yadira was out on the balcony. Rayshawn had no idea that the head maiden was in the chambers. So then, you know, they have a whole discussion about, like, he threatens the princess. Um, like, you know, you, you know, what, what are you trying to do me? Like, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one that's going to inherit the crown because, you know, uh, they bring it back. I am prince. <laughs> yes. And she says, don't you dare threaten me. I don't care if you are prince. I'm not afraid of you and you'll never control me. And then he, this was hard to imagine because it's a hard area to get a grip on. But he Oh, yeah, this is very strange. Yeah. yeah. Rayshawn walked up to his sister. He forcefully grabbed the princess's chin so hard that she cringed in pain. <laughs> she gasped. She cried out in pain. Let me go. You're hurting me. Which I assume would be, oh, girl, yeah. I'm her. I'm, yeah, I'm picturing like the, the full cheek grab because the chin is, I'm trying to know my own chin right now. And I've got sort of it's like a very soft tough. chin. It's hard to get a hold on there. Yeah, that's really, it doesn't really do much if you yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. Stick hmm. with slapping teenagers. That's yes. what we want from this book. Uh, and then th- this is how this chapter ends, and this made me laugh as well. <laughs> prince Rayshawn pushed the princess, and she fell onto one of her lounge chairs. Aswenta started to cry. The head maiden was still on the balcony hiding. She was too terrified to move. She was trembling in fear. Rashawn stormed out of the resting chamber of his sister. <laughs> That's some good prose there. Fell onto a lounge chair. <laughs> uh, the- the resting chamber of his sister is also yes, quite. Man, I didn't realize how many actual storming in and outs were in this. Uh, the, so much chapters. storming. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, that's it. Woo. That's it. We got through. Chapters, uh, the last two chapters were kind of tough for me, to, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> to I mean, concentrate on. Yeah, without any sort of action or, um, you know, seven new characters being introduced at a time. It's uh, just a lot of. You know, the repeated the repeated things happening over and over again is a hard thing to when you're like, come on, advance it. Have dinosaurs carry someone off. I, I was almost going to make a uh, a little chart of the king storms out of here. 
I was going to do it with like little, you know, little <laughs> characters to try to figure out. Then he storms into the queen's chamber. The queen has these people who are all named, although I'm not sure how old each one is. So <laughs> kind of let me down there. But anyway. Right. You need all right. We got through it. Of, uh, you know, Billy from Family Circus. Yes. He walks around his <laughs> yes. neighborhood like this. The various stormings. Yes. Wow. Well, Oof. I mean, it had it all. It had it all. We laughed. We cried. We 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 cried because we were laughing. <laughs> uh, let's uh, read some. Uh, let's read some emails. We go to the party. We go to the game. We go to the dinner. gonna cruise out, man. Uh, so more of these emails, again, come from our, our beloved Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash 372 pages. This one's from George. He submitted, he said R, he used the royal, and this might be just a, a jackal theory they've been workshopping in the Discord or something. So our working theory is that Larry and Denise went on a cruise that stopped in Nigeria because we know Lagos has a cruise port and the Fax King style list of random things they know about Nigeria just sounds like what you pick up from a cruise ship tour. Probably mostly Denise improving herself while Larry was in the Margaritaville restaurant. It's as uh, as good a as good a theory as any, I'm guessing. Yeah, that makes sense. I sure, mean, especially if you just you know if you you put this book out and then everything's a write off. So things did get murkier once they left Lagos. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know if the geography was not something you really covered, that's uh, yeah, unforced error. Here's a uh, Mike T making a bold claim that maybe you can back him up on. Uh, he says, I'm going to make an outrageous claim, so hear me out. The Ellis's writing technique is reminiscent of the Bible, particularly the older books. For example, here is Judges 724. <laughs> then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters against them as far as Beth Bara and also the Jordan. So all of the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters as far as Beth Bara and also the Jordan. They captured the two captains of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the Rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb as they pursued the Midianites. And he says, one sentence basically repeats the next. There are all sorts of names and places that have no context. This is the first and only mention of Oreb and Zeb. They are dispatched at places named after them, you know, just like everything the Ellis's write. Now, it's been pointed out the Old Testament is an oral tradition and repetition is critical to memory. And it should also be noted that at this time the story was being told. Everyone probably knew where Beth Barra was. It would be like a novel today explaining where New York City is. The Ellis's do a similar thing. They just presume we know the geography of their fictional lands and the endless cast of characters are the people of lore. Except unlike judges, there is no oral tradition and no one knows what they're talking about. And he says, it makes me wonder, did they grow up primarily reading the Bible? You write what they know and the writing style is very similar. Yeah, it's a good theory. <laughs> uh, ben says, I hope all is well for you. I'm writing because I happened to be reading a collection of Lovecraft short stories and a name popped up that I was not expecting. In the short story, Beyond the Wall of Sleep, the climax has the main character witnessing the destruction of a star in person. Lovecraft bases the event on an actual destruction of a star recorded by none other than Garrett P. Service. And he ends the story by quoting service. I was surprised by it and had to share. Thank you for reading this email and have a great day. Wow. <laughs> this is like a few emails after this. So I don't know what's going on. This is from Nick. Apologies if you've seen this before. I had uh, minutes before. But I was listening to some Lovecraft stories and heard this paragraph in Beyond the Wall of Sleep where H.P. Lovecraft attributes a bit of astronomical information to no less a personage than Garrett P. Service. I couldn't believe it when I heard it, but see the relevant passage below. And so he includes this. 
Lest you think me a biased witness, another's pen must add this final testimony, which may perhaps supply the climax you expect. I will quote the following authority, account of the star Nova Persei, verbatim from the pages of that eminent astronomical authority, Professor Garrett P. Service. <laughs> and then he go. puts in a quote, and he says, uh, Nick said, I know it's just a Bader-Meinhof thing, but it still made me laugh. Yeah, it is. When it comes up twice in the span of five emails, that's pretty nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, too bad, you know, he didn't be like, and then as Cthulhu devoured the crow, I was reminded of the, <laughs> the vaporized feathers of the crow and Garrett Peace services. As uh, the two flying dinosaurs came down, <laughs> carted off the people. Uh, this is from John. And this is uh, this is something we referenced earlier, but uh, it's on the Patreon. You'll have to check it out if you want to hear this. But he received this week. I received my copy of How to Revive the Middle Class from the Amazon mm. seller Top Wholesale Jewel. I wonder who that could be. <gasps> well, <laughs> uh, and so this is a book that's a, a slightly revised version of Super Constitution. Not only was it signed to me personally by Charles Kim himself, but it also has his notes in the margins. I, at least I assume they're his, they're in Korean, and I can't make any sense of them. Did he send me one of his proofreading copies? And so he has, he does have some notes in here that sort of look like you do if you were revising a copy. Uh, I'll put them in as, as a gallery and share them. And then uh, Elliot also wrote in and said, I ordered a copy of How to Revive the Middle Class recently. This is crazy. People are ordering this book that we explicitly <laughs> said, don't order this book. <laughs> I ordered it from Amazon and assumed it would not be signed and dated by the great Charles Kim himself. But lo and behold, it was. It was shipped directly from Top Wholesale Jewel in Harbor City, wow. California. I only assume Charles Kim has a room in his house full of unsold copies of How to Revive the Middle Class and is so delighted to finally moving some product that he's signing each one personally. So uh, Wow. <laughs> well, I got to get me. I'm going to get me one. Uh, I mean... I, like we've said this before, but like when you're Dwight David Thrashes and these Charles Kims, these when this whoever is selling the dearly departed uh, Charles uh, E. Harris is trucking through time, what do they think is happening when they start flying off the shelves? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> do, I, I don't know. They don't investigate. They're just like, yep, that that makes sense. These <laughs> things go back and forth <laughs> from zero for years to hundreds and thousands of them in a couple of days. Uh, and then this is from uh, Jan, who did uh, uh, yeoman's work here. I finally finished my spreadsheet of all the named characters and put it up on Google Docs. It yes. contains all the names I could find. It's possibly I missed some. Most of them are only mentioned once. I added a column to write down what we learned about the character, their age, their faction, first and last appearance. Needless to say, it will contain some minor explorers. Some observations, there are two characters with two names, Anthony, Richard, and then he says Edith and Edna. So that's something to keep an eye on. And one name that is used for two characters, one kid named Abdul in Chapter 10, a Mopec warrior named Abdul in Chapter 11. Did they run out of names? He said, all in all, there are 158 characters, 155 if you don't count Richard and Edna. That includes lions, chimpanzees, and two unnamed pets, a python, and one tarantula. But I felt the need to include them anyway. So we will link to that in in the uh, description, as well as the pictures of Charles Kim's signed copies of How to Revive the Middle Class and the picture of the uh, bird tattoo that um, we may or may not have uh, encouraged Matt to get. Yes. Uh, good. Let's uh, wrap it up with dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big. All right. A lot of these we covered, but uh, we had some very uh, enthusiastic um, sending in of these. 
<laughs> this is from Heather. Uh, she submitted her two children's um, books. Man, these kids have grown up since we started this podcast. Uh, Billy, who is now 16, submitted your favorite. He shall judge you hard, students. <laughs> she said <laughs> okay. he enjoyed the lack of punctuation here. And then Danny, who is 14, as well as Steve and Elliot, all submitted the Royal Bongo players banged on their bongos as the four schools <laughs> began to enter the arena. <laughs> uh, and uh, Heather said that I am really enjoying reading about the teen archaeologist Billy in this book, but her son Billy, not so much. <laughs> I guess he's probably worried he's going to get slapped anytime he Yes. Uh, this is uh, I mean, a very popular one. Jackson, Nolan, Keith, and Alejandro all submitted. They all decided to grieve together in a Mopex ceremony to honor the three that had been carried off by the flying dinosaurs. <laughs> Nolan said, I love how this panic, ma- this manages to be both ridiculous and Hemingway-esque at the same time. The entire passage about a stadium being attacked by flying dinosaurs has less narrative weight to it than Billy being menaced by a lion as a joke. <laughs> Hayden submitted, Arlexandra had a completely different character than her only daughter did. He said, incredible sentence construction to say she and her daughter were different. <laughs> and you'll, I had to look it up. I think we glossed over that, but Arlexandra... King Arlexandro was a main character in yes. Antigua. I did look that up, and I was like, "Are they re? Is this a crossover? What is going Some... on with these universes? <laughs> Barrels and Shawns and uh, Mandy submitted. I think the master instructor is pleased with our progress in the class so far." Edith said. And she said, why wasn't this said sarcastically? The instructor just finished yelling at all of them about how terrible they were. This would be the one place where sarcasm would have worked. Right. Uh, Rachel submitted, for one thing, there are rules we must follow in our own civilization, just like here in the land of the Mopec. And he said that England and Mopec are both similar because they both live in a society. Uh, <laughs> Chap submitted, the men continued to fight the creature. And then he said, one of my favorite Ellis techniques from Antigua was the ability to create an action scene with no attempt to describe any attributes of the engagement other than to assert it was occurring. <laughs> This sentence is so dull and flaccid, you could almost picture the nearby characters checking their text messages as the scene plays out. Harrison submitted, have you any ideas how many swords and spears are in there? And he said, no idea, but lucky you just said polish the shields and, and not the spears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruth and Jordan and Amanda and Balaji submitted. Thomas said sarcastically, we have nights just like that on every 4th of July. <laughs> okay. So the British teenager. Um Christine and Lindsay submitted Sir Thunya chose seven girls to compete in the first ever Mopec team challenge. And they said we had 21 names across the other three schools. They couldn't come up with the another seven, but they did. They gave it to us just before the dinosaurs swooped in. Mm-hmm. Claire said both dinosaurs flew away across the jungle to the island where the dinosaurs lived. She said, my childhood obsession was dinosaurs, and I'm going to be that guy and point out that there have never been flying dinosaurs. Pterosaurs are their own thing, not categorized as dinosaurs. I realize it's the least of Larry and Denise's sp- uh, mistakes, but it just triggered me. So that'd be, I, that's something I, I did not know that. I didn't uh, know that either. Uh, Harris submitted, they were practicing to fight with bamboo sticks made into weapons. He said, alternatively, they were fighting with bamboo sticks. <laughs> yes. Jay submitted, Rayshawn took his foot and kicked his cousin and knocked him to the ground. He also rewrote the sentence. What a belabored way of saying Rayshawn kicked his cousin to the ground. <laughs> uh, George submitted, the maidens, Hadarala, Sabine, Sabrina, Joaquina, and Hadashasha were both helping the queen groom. 
He said this list of extremely dumb names, concluding with the word groom, is just such a perfect exemplar of the Larry and Denise style. It doesn't get any better. Waka submitted, Isabella smiled, and then suddenly, without warning, pushed Roshana into the hot spring water. He says, not only there are a few commas missing, but doesn't suddenly also already imply without warning. Yes. Uh, Voluntari submitted, he is prince and will one day rule this kingdom. <laughs> Mike submitted, she and Rebecca put their chimpanzees down and they ran back up into the trees. And he said, thanks to the ambiguous pronoun, we're allowed to imagine a pair of chimps watching as two teenage girls scurry up into the treetops. Sean uh, submitted, oh, wow. I think this is also from Sean. I'm, or I couldn't have just written it down. Sean submitted, Sean said non-caringly, as you wish. Wow. There were two non-caringlys in this section. I only highlighted one. Uh, Mike T. submitted, there were several stone statues of kings and queens who had before their deaths ruled in the kingdom. I, I noted that. That's traditionally when most ruling takes place. Is before <laughs> Mike B. submitted, in one of the Mopec training schools, there were five teens that were determined to one day make it into one of the Mopec warrior training sessions once they reached 21 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew submitted, at that exact moment, the teen archaeologist decided to take a morning stroll through the kingdom after breakfast was served. Uh, John submitted, this is the last one, Isabella is approached, oh, oh, so this is the context. Um, it's uh, when the sorceress is, is approaching this. Rayshawn whispered, uh, whispered sarcastically to his cousin, beautiful women usually are because his cousin just said here comes trouble <laughs> oh yes yeah and he just said i had to include a bit of context these teenage warriors are cracking the same jokes as the old guys at a bar who think they're hilarious this book just keeps on giving uh i had one that we didn't touch on it was oh nice i forget who's saying it's ah damn it uh you read yours and i'll find out who's uh who who said this oh mine i'm just gonna bring up uh petty zoo again <laughs> billy uh who says it uh thomas this is just like a petty zoo. That's my <laughs> pretty sure there. They mean something else there. Okay, I'm trying to find the context for this, but my sentence was uh, just one of the one of the people. I think it's one of the Mopex. Just says, "I'm telling the king on you." <laughs> so once uh, again, uh, it's as if they uh, they took a uh, the leading one off of the age of these kids. That is, oh, that is <laughs> that is Thomas. Uh, who has just been dressed down by the head warrior Nadura, and Thomas oh, is yes. running away, saying, "I'm telling the king on you," as a as a six year old might say. <laughs> yes, the guy who just said, "I will, I swear to God, I'll wipe out each and every one of you." He yes. runs out, going, "I'm telling the king on you." <laughs> yeah, he says, "I'll make sure you're beheaded." So, <laughs> yes. All right. Ooh, all right. Well Woo! done. We hey. got through it. Yep, we got through it, and there's more to come. Uh, Stuff that I had to leave out of fanfic that was so good that, that we just had so much good stuff that I didn't want to spoil it. So a lot to look forward to. Um, I, I really can't wait. We'll post the uh, assignment in the uh, in the description. Larry and Denise, thank you. That's all I can say. <laughs> and and everyone reading it will uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.